Bang! It's the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell on CBS Sports. Yes, and we are back with the box edition, all boxing, all the time. Yeah, I know, we took a week off. You didn't like it. You sent your comments. Hey, let me cool you off a little bit. Come on, let me let me put some water on your ball. We back, brothers. We back in a big way with the kind of analysis and ridiculousness that can only be underwritten and sponsored by that performance enhancing audio the brian campbell without question yes you heard it right here the voice of that you here people you know i'm gonna bring in big red in a second it's early monday morning here on the east coast i got six inches of snow outside i'm sure rafe is out right near the beach boy out on the left side but uh we got a loaded show who do we have on here we got interviews. You like good interviews? Cause we got interviews, brothers. We got Canelo Alvarez, Danny Jacobs, Oscar de la Hoya. Yes, that same guy. The same Oscar de la Hoya and the great Eddie Hearn. You want to talk about an interview package right there? Who else in boxing going to give you a package like this? All getting you fired up for that May 4th. Canelo Jacobs fight, arguably the biggest fight of the calendar year in Las Vegas, in the zone. We're going to talk about all of that. Eddie Hearn's going to talk about a lot other stuff that we're going to break down as well. We're going to talk about the recent fights. We're going to find out if Rafe Bugs cares about the fights coming up this weekend. Oh, give it to me, Jacobs. I'd stop Canelo. Yes. Canelo we're going to have, we're going to ask Danny Jacobs exactly about that, whether he will stop Canelo or whether somebody else will get in his way. The adolescent bird. Oh, yeah. You got to watch out for that sneaky adolescent bird. All right. Let me bring up my co-host. You know him. You love him. A New York Times bestseller. He's also a ginger. His name is Rafe Bartholomew. Cruising was made for box. Respect was made for box. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Rafe. Was that? Yeah. How how the heck yeah. is it? It's like four AM on the on the West Coast. How you doing, bro? You know, Brian, you, you during that intro you when you said you're out there with six inches, I was like, What is happening here? Where are we going with this already? <gasps> six inches of snow, of course. Yes. Brian, I'm here in my best friend's house. Sitting in my tidy whities getting ready to podcast with you. <laughs> I should have grabbed that sound. Wow. Danny, ja- Danny Jacobs, you're the boy. You put it on him. Did he put it on him though, Rafe? I mean, did he? I mean, did anyone that missed that, what? So DeZone sat Danny Jacobs down for an interview after the press conference last week. And they basically said, what was your reaction to finding out that you got the Canelo fight? And the story, Rafe, that Danny told was exactly what you said. He was sitting with a friend in their living room in the tidy whities and then exploded in celebration. I'm imagining like, well, I'm imagining that, but I'm imagining like the beach in Rocky 3 when Apollo and uh, Rocky were wearing those half shirts and they're racing and they're, yeah. <laughs> I mean. Who, who is this lucky, lucky fellow who gets to, let's get, get the call next to Danny Jacobs while Danny's in his skivvies and his grandma and his little grandma shorts <laughs> well i don't want to start rumors but you do know who his nutritionist is right oh my <laughs> god too much too much too much love in that room chris, chris algeri it's got to be chris algeri because if you're hanging you think, you think daddy's got him in the cage somewhere um if you're hanging out with chris algeri you're definitely shirtless right and you might even be in your tighties it's possible i think algeri may have a certain minimum standard of 
ripness that he needs to see in you before he's willing to just go anywhere. Wow. You know, Eddie Hearn would call that. It's a hard on day. Yeah, it is a hard on day for sure. Congratulations though to Danny Jacobs, the miracle man for getting that fight. Can't wait to see it. Rafe, is that the biggest fight of 2019 so far or is it Spence Garcia, Fox pay-per-view March 16th? Brian, I, you're going to make me go triple G on you. Are you serious, Brian? <laughs> uh, are you serious? No. Um, yes, it is. Uh, it is definitely Canelo Jacobs. Right. Canelo, the, the, any Canelo fight, maybe arguably, I mean, this is a little bit extreme. Don't do this it. Canelo Fielding is probably a bigger Stop fight. It. That was last that. year. Stop it's not, it. not to the real fans, but to the average fan. I mean, Canelo is one of the two biggest. The the. All right, as you heard, we might, we lost Rafe there for a second. We're reconnected, Rafe, the, the, uh, the fine qualities of Skype. Thank you. Rafe, you were saying Canelo, biggest star in the sport. You think, come on, but. Well, him, him and Anthony Joshua, I, I put them next to each other side by side. I don't, I, I'm not trying to slice it that thinly, but what I was also going to finish the Anthony point Joshua. is that the, the competition there does not come from the Spence Garcia fight. It comes from the other biggest star in the sport. Anthony Joshua, Jarrell Miller. Now, which is the better fight there? Which is the bigger fight? You, you're going to give that nod to Canelo Jacobs because that is a real top of the division type fight. And the AJ Miller fight is, is a fun fight that it's an appetizer. We're, All right, so we're you're still talking marinating, more, you know, it's the first course. On this debate, you're talking more about star power and pay-per-view by, or, you know, interest. But like, let's not forget though. I just want to say this to you. Let's not forget. That Spence Garcia is essentially two top five pound for pound pay per view guys. I'm sorry, two top a pay per view fight with two top five pound for pound guys, both unbeaten. Right? Like I, I know I got some skin in the game here in Fox these days, but I'm getting very saucy for that fight. I'm getting very fired up. You gotta give Mikey the ball sack of the year award. You gotta give me the ball sack of the year. I'm fired up for this, Ray. I'm gonna pour some water on those oh, balls God. a little bit. Brian, um, you said biggest fight, not best fight. If we want to say best all fight, right, I'm totally right. with you. You could make an argument. I, I am high on the Spence Garcia fight. I am not one of these. I'm not from the beginning. I have not been one of these guys poo-pooing it saying, no, 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 Mikey should be fighting Lomachenko. This is crazy. He's going to get, he's going to get sent to hell. Errol Spence by murder. All Aero that Spence stuff. No, no, murder. that ain't me. I'm not there. This is a great fight. It is legitimately up there with Canelo Jacobs as a great fight. And I, man, I, 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 I'm good with both. You can call either one the best fight, but the biggest fight so far of 2019, Canelo and Jacobs. I have to, man. to be really honest. I, I'm, I'm more, I'm a tiny bit more intrigued by Canelo Jacobs because I really think this is arguably, we're, we can get into this later, but arguably the toughest challenge on paper in terms of danger that Canelo has ever faced. Mayweather, toughest fight on paper he's, he's walked into, but in terms of danger, this might be the toughest fight because I think Danny Jacobs is just a little bit Next level dynamic, even though can, even though Glove can beat him, Danny Jacobs can do more things, bro. Danny Jacobs, you're the boy. I mean, come on, come on. No, no, no. This I, is Danny's night, Rafe. Come on. We're, we're going to go back to this. We're going to go, Brian. Brian. Are you serious, Brian? Are you serious? On paper, I, what does that even mean? I don't. His, the last two fights for Canelo against Triple G were about as Dangerous on paper in the boxing fans' minds. That was very, that was about as good as it. the only reason we're saying that this is even more dangerous is because we're talking. Uh oh, uh oh. It's a dangerous fight. All right. Are all you right. losing me? I lost you for a second. Are, are, are you with me? Are, tell me, tell me. Are, are you, are you, are you with me, Rafe? Tell me, tell me. Where's that damn button? Uh, are you here with me or not? Look at me. Are you with me? 
All right, I just want to close on Spence Garcia. It's probably the only time we're going to talk about it this week. Yes, I've got skin in the game, so please check out the replay of the PBC face-to-face that I moderated. But I don't know if you saw the PBC countdown show to Spence Garcia. Not the fight camp 24-7 thing. The countdown show where your boy BC was one of the talking heads. Got a lot of cop on that timeline, too. Top operator Mike Coppinger. But did you check out your boy on the uh, countdown show that debuted Sunday on Fox? I, I did not get to see it yet. How did it go? What Did you get any good one-liners in? I had a lot of good one-liners. But the problem, and you'll notice this quickly, is I was kind of grossly sweaty during that interview. I was in a suit. I had all my luggage because I was going to go to the airport, but I had to stop by the Microsoft Theater first to do this backstage interview. I get in there. I'm a little sweaty. I sit down. Those lights were so damn bright, Rafe, like insanely bright, like insanely bright. And they sat me so close to the camera that you could see Growing mounting droplets of sweat above my bra. It looks a little bra, brow, brow. It looks a little bit gross, bra, but you know, that's fine. That's fine. Check me out on you, there. If you, you said brow, do you mean like on your forehead or you, but you were touching your yeah, lip? Yeah, I guess I meant a, what you, do you, you had a sweaty lip. What do you call that above too? your lip? I guess that's not a brow, bra. What do you call that? That's called your lip. It's above your mouth, near your mustache. I don't know. It's something like that, Brian. Yeah, it is disgusting. I know that, uh, I know that you don't understand that though, Rafe, right? Right? Boy, you didn't even touch an M yet. What are you talking about? Oh my god. If only I knew where the gems on my own soundboard was, Rafe, I could have hit Floyd, there's a long way from the lip to the cup. I'm sure you don't understand what yes, that means. Yes, I'm sure you don't. Thank you very much. Uh so check me out. PBC countdown Spence Garcia. Enough putting myself over. Rafe, you want to put yourself a little all over before we get into the, the gem of this show? You know, I, no, I'm just a simple man sitting here in some tidy whities getting just looking uh-huh. at my friend on a computer talking boxing. This is this is what I live for, Brian. You know okay. what I mean. Well, you know what I live for? It just happened this way. Last year organically, it started with Sal Pal and Floyd. It took off. It's a revolution. It's people are changing people's lives. Hashtag #loadwatch2019. It's everywhere, Rafe. We already know this, you know. Yes, he did. Still, still, AC Slater, he may have. I mean, uh, how many more do I have to press? You understand exactly where I'm going here. You did. You did make him. Um, We know, Rafe, lately, this has penetrated, if you will. It's it's an interesting choice of words. This has penetrated into the world of the NBA. and Load management. Load management is taking over. Our fan, and by the way, I was on the call of the uh, Showtime undercard this past weekend. I did drop a nice little load watch. You shouted me out on Twitter. Thank you very much for that. It was a little load watch situation, but we know this is taking off now into the NBA. And our fans, really, it, it's them who's really pushed this load watch thing to the forefront because they won't stop. They're, they are tracing down the ends of the earth. I mean, they even found in that contender episode that time that pause, pausely Shane Mosley Jr. was, uh, said it and they sent it to us. They sent me 25 different versions of what Paul Pierce said on the ESPN NBA countdown show. Thank you, Paul Pierce, for furthering this discussion into a whole new level. Rafe, I know you said Tim Bradley when he, when he looked into the camera that time, deep into the camera and was like, he blew his whole load. He didn't have no, he had no, no legs. He had no power. Wait, I mean, wait, blue is how loud. This, I think Paul Pierce has now taken this to the furthest level possible. Yeah, I like to see him get 30 to 35 minutes. I mean, he's in his early 20s. He's showing, he, we're just getting a taste of him. I'm like, you know, I'm tired of getting a taste of him. I want the whole load. Now, let's see what he can do over the course of that. Oh my God. Take his how loud away. Rafe, that was gross. What is happening? 
Well, I still rank, I still rate Tim Bradley above that for two reasons, Brian. One, it's a, it came from boxing. That's where loads belong. And two, he meant to say it. It was, he, he looked dead into the camera and he used the phrase in the right way in the, and it was a true, just, he just sold. He went all the way into it. He took the whole, he gave us the whole load. Well, poor Paul Pierce, uh, Paul, 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 Paul Pierce, on the other hand, is out here. It was a slip of the tongue, so to speak. Wow. A gross slip of the tongue. Thank you, Paul Pierce, for furthering our movement. All right, Rafe, we got some great sound coming up. We do want to recap the fights we missed the last few weeks very briefly here. The people always want your take, Rafe. They come to me. They say, I need Rafe's take on these fights. Let's start this past Saturday on Showtime in Brooklyn. I was there for the undercard. But in that main event, you saw Eris Landi Lara fighting and, and at times not brawling, but fighting. He was forced to fight. Comes out with a split draw over 12 rounds against Brian Castaño, the rising Argentine who is in possession of that WBA secondary 154 title. Jared Hurd is the full title holder in this corrupt one WBA organization. Lara Castaño. Kind of look like a poor man's version of Laura Heard. Were you not entertained, Rafe? I was entertained. At the same time, it's it's hard. Look, I like and respect Erislandi Lara. He is really good. But he is also just one of these guaranteed frustration causers. When you, he is he is the frustration maker. Brian, you watch him and he's just, you'll want him to do more. He didn't know he could do so much more. And he doesn't. He never does it. He doesn't. He does one they thing only. He throws the left straight and he flips on his back foot. You make him, you made him flick cheeseburgers. Did I lose you again, Rafe? Are you with, are you with me or not? Tell me, are you with me? Sound problems galore this week. Thank you, Skype. Thank you that all the branches in my yard are covered with snow and are pushing on those power lines. Wow. Let me get Rafe back in here. Rafe, are you with me? You're back, Rafe. You're back. All right. All right. We're back. I, I see you. Can Tell me. Are you with me? Tell me. Rafe? I see. No? This is great podcast. Great podcasting here, Rafe. Can you hear me? All right, Rafe. We're back. Uh a lot of technical difficulties today, but great to have you back. Um, is Laura old? He's 35, what is he, 36? 36. Uh, it looked, okay, against Hurd, I could justify it as, look, Jared Hurd is a special junior middleweight. He's giant, he's got a ridiculous gas tank, and he just walks you down. I felt like in that fight, Laura knew that he had a fight. And he was mentally ready for it. And he dug in from from the beginning. I mean, yeah, he boxed in the early rounds. But at a certain point, Laura was like, I'm going to have to fight this guy. I'm ready to fight this guy. Against Castaño, I thought he was going to be able to create space better. Because, look, Castaño's a, a good young fighter, but he's not Jared Hurd. I think I have to join in the chorus after watching this fun fight in which I did think Laura has won. Which, by the way, you still could say he's undefeated. Now, look, I, honestly, I thought Hurd beat him. But I did think he beat Canelo. I did think he beat Paul Williams. Even though this fight's really close, I do think the wheels are slowing down on Lara. And that's fine. He's been very active. He's been the face of this division for a long time. We're going to get more fun fights because he's slowed down, Rafe. Yeah. Before before the spirit of Teddy Atlas took over my body and whole soul there, I was saying it's a Lara's just confounding fighter who – 
Every time I've seen him in the ring, I've thought he's the better boxer in this. He has performed better as a, but he has, he has fought, he has looked like the more skilled, talented individual over the course of these 12 rounds. And he never does enough to win a fight. He, he always does just enough to leave the door open. It's, it's mind boggling. And, and yes, against Castaño, who just didn't, didn't look to be at quite on the level of some of the other guys we've seen Lara have these close fights with in the past. It was surprising to not see Lara put more separation in there. And I think it's fair to wonder now, yeah, maybe we have seen the best of him. And Lara will continue to be a good fighter just because of that training, those skills, those smarts in the ring. But if he's not willing to do enough to win fights – he almost sets himself up to become a gatekeeper prematurely because he's not going to do what he needs to do to get back to the top of a division. Oh, well, I like that take. That's very interesting. I'm happy that 154 business has picked up between Tony Harrison, Jermel Charlo, Hurd, J-Rock Williams lingering. This is this is fun. These are some matchups here. They they want to run this back. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'd watch it. I don't know what what more we're going to learn though. We learned that they're pretty much on the same level. Castaño's pretty fun and we want to see him again. Lara's still pretty damn good, but not the guy he once was. Why do we need to run this back? I don't think they actually should. Both guys come out of this with some chance with a decent case for themselves to say, I thought I won the fight. I think I also thought Lara didn't look look better, did enough to just win, but it wasn't convincing. But both guys come can come 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 out of this fight and say, "Hey, I won that one. This this was my fight." And they can they can go on to better, more interesting matchups for themselves than fighting each other again. I, I mean that more. I think in Castaño's case, because he's fresher to us, he's newer to us, he's newer to this elite level at at one hundred one five four weight category. And I want to. I have a fight. I have a fight with a against other guy. people. Thank you. Well, we lost you for a second. I filled it in by just – my new thing is pressing less buttons on the soundboard because I can't find them. So I just audibly provide the sound, right? I eat steak every day. I eat steak every day, Brian. Thank you. Hey, uh, Luis Ortiz, the real King Kong, staying busy, wants Wilder, wants a rematch. That might be the, the biggest fight available for him considering all the politics going on in the heavyweight division. Fought Christian Hammer, not Christina Hammer, who's going to be fighting your girl – Clarissa Shields, April 13th, and AC on Showtime in the biggest fight in women's history. I think that's what they're saying. This was Christian Hammer, a guy who went 12 with Povetkin in the past. Rafe, they went the distance here. Ortiz fought well, but shouldn't he have been able to knock this guy out, even though this guy Hammer is durable? Were you at all disappointed that Ortiz didn't? Like as if now he's 40 and he's old? Should put me in my place here. Sit down and be the, be quiet, boy. You're wrong. This is King Kong you're talking about. No, um, it was a little disturbing. Uh, we've, Luis, Luis Ortiz does not always look like a world beater in the ring. I thought he looked pretty good. He, he won very convincingly. Hammer clearly was pretty game, but he was never that hurt, which was, we're, we're, we were a little bit surprising because Ortiz, we, we think of him as having that big left hand and he was landing it. It, but Ortiz, we've seen him not look great before. It, I mean, God, at least this wasn't the Malik Scott yes. fight. Um, yeah, he's getting a little old. We know he's old, but I think he still has the ability to be worth fighting for one of the good heavyweights. I think, unfortunately, his chance to really ascend and become the the the, the top guy in the division may have passed. Here's the ultimate problem. 
We wanted Ortiz to be better than he is. We thought he, we, we were fooled into the, he's really good. He's got the amateur background. He certainly can punch, but we thought he was a destroyer. And here's why on HBO in Verona that one night, right? Our, our guy that, uh, came in there. What's the, what the hell is the guy's Brian name? Brian Jennings. Oh uh, yeah, Brian Jennings. Our guy, Brian Jennings. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, just a slip of the tongue there. Um, Brian Jennings comes in and he has later admitted this. He fought the worst game plan possible. He, his game plan was to crowd Ortiz and fight him on the inside and push the pace the whole night. And you know what it did? It made Ortiz have to brawl. And then we realized that Ortiz is a badass if you come at him like a bat. If you come at him recklessly, like if you come at a lot of Cuban fighters, right? When Angulo came recklessly at Lara, we found out it, Lara can be pretty fun if someone's, you know, recklessly coming at him. We thought that that's who Cuban Luis Ortiz was that night when he sent uh, Jennings to hell and in a vicious fight with some uppercuts. And we also saw that night he took roids against, uh, uh, who was that? Uh, Latif Coyote that time. Remember on the undercard of, uh, of another one of those, uh, I'm just, I, I just, I, your blood, I can't believe you would say this about Luis Ortiz's blood pressure meds. It's just, it's, it's so just that night really... when he blew away, I, I F he up Coyote. No, actually, I, is I F E up Coyote or Sam Peter? I always get those two confused. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's Coyote. That's after uh, that, that. Tarver. That was at the StubHub Center yes. before it was the StubHub Center. Antonio the Home Depot Tarver. Center yeah. days of Carson. Freddie Roach in the ring. So I F E up. We thought, I think those two fights made us believe Ortiz was someone that he isn't. He's also older now. He's still credible. Look, he, I thought he was winning on the cards when Wilder stopped him. That was a really good fight. If they ran it back, probably be a pretty damn fun fight again. But I think he's a step down from those the top three unbeaten heavyweights at the moment. And it just is what it is. And that's fine. By the way, Christian Hammer was tough. Um, would you say he Hammer was too legit to quit? I didn't like how he had shorts there that said Hammer. And I it, I immediately thought, oh, he's wearing Hammer pants. Yeah, yeah well, I like that. I like that. Uh, please, Hammer, don't hurt him. And he was unable to. Uh, Rave, two weeks ago, Anthony Durrell claims the vacant WBC super middleweight title. With a technical decision over my man from Turkey. Got to know this guy at the PBC face-to-face. He's wild. Avni Yildirim. Interesting fight. It was starting to heat up late. And then there was a cut on Darrell's eye that didn't seem to be the type of cut that you would stop a fight. Yet the ringside doctor leaps on the apron, looks at it, says, no, the fight's over. We go to the cards. I thought Yildirim had a, had a case in terms of my scorecard that he was in that, that maybe he was ahead because he was pushing the pace and Darrell was letting him get in his kitchen. Turns out Darrell wins a technical decision to claim the title. Was Yildirim screwed in your eyes? We were all screwed. How is this a title fight? Poor Ronald Gavril had to go through two really, really hard physical fights with David Benavidez getting his ass kicked the second time and and then watches these two guys fight for the belt that he had to lose twice for. David Benavidez out here getting losing, getting stripped of his belt off a of humble cuz he 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 was partying a little too hard. I mean, look, I don't I, I'm too old for that stuff, but anyway, uh, if I have to talk about this fight, it was, <laughs> I, I'm glad it's over, Brian. Wow. And I enjoyed the fight. Uh, Avni put his head down and, and, and made it a fight. You didn't like that? I look, and for that reason, the thing, I guess I just had this overly cynical look at it because it didn't feel like these guys are bottom top 10 super middleweights. I mean, Chris Eubank Jr. sent Yildrum to hell. Yes. To the deepest darks. It's like, and it was not, not only because 
Yildirim's manager had that very interesting moment before the fight. What did in the he press say again, Rafe? What did he, he say? He threatened a friend of so one of the guys in Eubank's camp. He says, I will F your wife! Uh, it, <laughs> look, the Turks bring some heat, and I like that a lot. If you're gonna have this fight, at least put Yildirim over. Don't use it as a, as a crappy stepping stone to get another belt to Anthony Durrell that nobody ever wants to see. He was, Durrell himself was ready to retire. Now he's going to fight again because he's going to get paid again. I don't, he, he was going to give boxing fans a big gift to people, which was his retirement. And now. Oh wow! Look at this hatred coming at you from man. Here's I the thing: he should finish him. The whole, the whole family, even the uncle who likes to sucker punch people. No, finish. no, that's too harsh. That's too harsh. That's that's. Come on, come on. That's you know. Oh wow! Oh, oh, my goodness gracious! My gosh! That's inappropriate to say. That's assault, you guys. That's assault, brother. Here's what I'll say. When you get to know fighters, when you get, you know, when you like, I, when I do these shows, I spend a day oh, here with them. It comes. I never liked Anthony Durrell and his persona from watching on TV. I thought he was like this emotional firecracker and this whatever. He's actually a really fun, really good dude, family man. I really enjoy it. I'm not saying that I can't give negative criticism about him, but I'll say sometimes you meet people you think you're not going to like. Like every time I hang out, I've hung out with Danny Garcia, really good dude, even though it's easy to criticize the swag champ. But, um, I didn't. This is not a personal attack. Brian. I know. This is, it's business, right? You, difference. you've been to these fight cards with me. How many, how many Floyd Mayweather Showtime era pay-per-view undercards has Anthony Durrell made you want to just yes, sleep through? You're right. You're right. He hasn't always Marco been the most Antonio fun Antonio Perivan, yes. Saki Obika, all well, of Well, those fights, fights were dirty and fun to a degree. Anyway, um, did you see the Instagram video of Yildirim getting off the plane in Turkey and there was like thousands of people screaming and dancing and jumping around? Like, this guy is a Turkish hero, Rafe. Does he, but we don't, we don't care about that, right? I mean, you said that when he came to the, the PBC shoot with you, he had some, some Turkish movie star oh with my him God. as his interpreter. He was his main man. You guys were just broing out in Hollywood. I forgot this guy's name, dude. This, he brings this dude as an, as an interpreter, this like good looking young dude with a, you know, accent that would make you think he grew up in the U.S., which I found out later he did. And turns out this guy's the biggest, Hollywood star or biggest movie star in Turkey. And he's like the equivalent of like a Tom Cruise in Turkey and him and Avni are boy. I don't know. Whatever. It's Turkey. It's Turkey, right? That's fine. Okay. Um, where was I going with that? Give me some of that hard wood. I'll whack your wood. Yeah. Give me some of that hard wood. Um, I will say this though about the 168 division in PBC. It's kind of fun. There's no like killers, but when you consider you have Darrell Yildirim, Caleb Plant, the winner of, of, uh, Kid Chocolate against Caleb Truax, possibly Chris Eubank, cause it's kinda, he's kinda PBC friendly now. And, uh, who am I missing? Uh, David Benavidez coming back. You can really make some, oh, Uzkatagi lingering. What I'm saying is you're gonna make some fun TV friendly action fights for a while on FS1 over the next year. You down with that? I'm with you, and they have a good range of styles. There's enough there. If it were just these sort of boxer types, if it was just the Durrells and the Caleb Plants, and you just saw, this was heading towards a bunch of guys in a staring contest, it would be a little bit disappointing. But there is a nice variety of styles. You can mix some brawlers in. You can mix guys who with big power. There's there's just a lot there. And guys in different, you know, Benavidez is super tall for the division. Plant is a, li- is, is, is a little more compact and athletic. There's a lot. To, I, I, even though there's no marquee name, it's a good competitive. It'd be good for a Super 6 or a WBSS type tournament. Would, would you do that for us, please, Mr. Heyman, you're the GOAT, right? G- give us a tournament at 168. Those guys aren't, don't need protecting. 
That's fair, but I think that's a, uh, that's a gimmick that WBSS is, is taking over right now, which, which, uh, is no longer PBC friendly, it seems. It's in the zone at the moment. If Cali can pay everybody's salary and checks, if those checks clear, then it's in, it's in the zone at the moment. Cali Rick, come through with the salary. Cali, wow. No, there ain't no party like a Cali party. More on that later in the show. Uh, hey, uh, Chris Eubank Jr. took a, uh, took a, it was a decision, right? Over James DeGale. Sends James DeGale into retirement in what was a, Decently entertaining fight. I, this is the first fight Chris Eubank Jr. had a, tr- had a full-time trainer at age 29. What the hell's this guy doing? Anyway, it was good to see him look good. His right crosses and his power shots were there all night. Tough to see the wheels fall off for James DeGale. Still relatively young, but I'm glad that he retired at this point rather than lingering. Maybe he'll come back in three years like they always do, but big win for Eubank. He's a player at 168. Showtime had picked this fight up late. Wait, any, any lingering thoughts? Nothing? Uh, DeGale is done. He, he, we, 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 we wondered and he looked like it. You know, he, he's just not, something happened, whether it was injuries, whether it was the tough fights, he went through a real, real tough stretch, right? I mean, a really good performance when he won the title against Andre Durrell and then all of a sudden fought Porky Medina on the night of Porky Medina's life. And that guy was amped up on uh, everyone was very suspicious of the energy he showed in the ring that night. DeGale made it through that. And then the, the, the draw and one of my favorite under the, under the now a little under the radar. Cause it was at the beginning of what was it? 2018 or 2017, the, the fight against Badu oh, Jack. Great fight. That yeah. was just, uh, it didn't get the fight of the year consideration it deserved because it was like a January yeah, fight. Yeah, it came too early, but, yeah. Oh my God, what an amazing fight. And then look, the, I, I think, the two Truex think, fights, they were, even though Truex not a giant puncher, they were action packed and he was in his face the whole time. But, and, and we just saw over time that it was not the same guy, the, the sort of athletic, weird, unorthodox, very fun, had some real power that was giving people trouble. James DeGale that, that started that run was gone by the, by the end and, and was just sort of ripe for a physical, young, Chris Eubank type to go in there and do enough to get the win. It was yeah. ugly. It Florida was pretty twice, ugly yeah. at times. Uh, what do Bo- you think of Eubank? Do you think that he's learned anything Body now that he had a trainer the- one time in his life? Look, I think he's always going to be limited, but he's young, athletic, and a puncher. And there's something that his father handed down to him. Something, right? There's some sort of, you know, thing in there that, that makes me believe he could be involved in big fights. He's probably always going to lose against the top-end elite, but he can punch. So that still matters, and if he can get a little bit of technique together, he's going to be fun. He's going to certainly going to be fun from a TV standpoint. I'd love him against like if they can build toward like Caleb Plant against him. I mean, it's going to be fun TV. It was. Oh man, bro, are you serious? Are you serious? No, no, I <sighs> think I think it'll be compelling. Anyway, I, uh, shout I, I out. Think to- it would be competitive, Brian, but geez, Plant is I think the kind of style that would. You know, Plant is a good boxer and he would, and he would make, he would expose some of those flaws and, and maybe, you know, at the high end, he would want to do what, what George Groves did to Eubank. I think for a while, use Eubank's name. He's young. He can fight the big fights later. Set him up with some, some good, fun, sloppy, some guys are going to come after him like Yildirim did and, and build up that name a little bit because he'll get you some, some exciting finishes if you throw the brawlers at him. If you throw the, get, you know, ex, let's, let's excavate the corpse of Porky Medina. Let's get these oh, guys wow. out there. Whoever that guy that sent Badu Jack to, let's, let, let J- Badu Jack come. Oh, he can't. No. I, I guess talking myself into no, Jack no, 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 and no. Eubank. Ooh, I, I'll I, never I, jack. I would jack for that. Friends Bummer, you game. Uh, by the way, to close on DeGale, even at his best, so when he beat Darrell in Boston that time, I was like, this guy could be a pound-for-pound guy, but even at his best, 
DeGale would always sort of have like three, four rounds he would take off and let the other guy come back in. So he was, I think, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but Frotch tweeted out congratulations on retirement and still somehow sent him to hell in the middle of the tweet and, and exposed his, you know, I, but I can't believe that DeGale's legacy is that he's the first British gold medalist to go on to win a, a, a pro title. I can't believe that. I can't believe that never happened before that. That's crazy. And it's, and it's hard in this, in this sort of renaissance, this rebirth for British boxing when they are such a force in the sport with guys like Lewis Sandman Ritson and Anthony Joshua, the second biggest British star. These guys out here taking over the sport. It, it's hard. You the first one and, and it feels like AJ's been had that Prince Charles Martin title since forever. But I guess if you go back and look at the calendar, James DeGale got it first and that went over Darrell. Yeah. On that undercard, uh, Joe Joyce, the, uh, the, the, oh, what's yeah. the juggernaut, uh, yeah, so we took on a, for Bermain Stavern, we had read the comments from Stavern leading up that he was a change man, blah, 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 and then he came in at almost basically a career high weight. I mean, but yet, then he goes out there and fights with the kind of passion that we haven't seen from Stavern in a long time. The problem is, he took a savage beating and a loss. Like, a fight that went on too long and he just got beaten down and beaten down. It goes down as a win for Joe Joyce, but here's the problem overall. A lot of problems with this fight. Joe Joyce somehow took steps back in his stock because he's just horrifically slow, Rafe. Like, legit heavyweights are going to destroy this guy. And Stavern, it's like, finally he showed life in there. Finally he showed passion, yet he did it when he came in at his fattest. And because of that, he took a, like a stupid beating. Like, almost a Shannon Banks, you know, Vitaly Klitschko type beating. Like, it was kind of tough to watch at the end. Of course it was tough to watch. Yeah, it was, it was, it was ugly because for the toughness that Stavern showed, he just didn't have enough gas in that tank to actually fight for, for three minutes of, hey, three rounds at 273 pounds, which is what he weighed in on, let alone what? It got stopped in the sixth or seventh. And, and so to just see him standing there for 30 seconds, a whole minute on end against the ropes, putting his hands up while Joyce wound up those big, slow, heavy meat hooks of his, it, it was, it was pretty disturbing at times. Not fun in that regard. You know, maybe he got, maybe Stavern got the black pill. You know, watch out. The man in the black hat might have been at ringside. Wow, wow. Shout out to Con Peterson from, that's Brian. A, that fight was a long ass time ago, by the way. We referenced it a lot, Con Peterson. Wasn't it like 2011? Like that's. I hard. don't care. It's, it's le- legends never age, Brian. Look at Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Uh, but Joe Joyce, look, I got some things to say. Look, I don't think that the people out here have been watching Joe Joyce. If you were surprised at how Joe Joyce looked against Berman, Ber- Bermain, Stavern, then you have not watched many Joe Joyce fights <laughs> because he looks like this every time out. He was a little heavier this time. But besides that, this is what you get from him. He and and I even as as sloppy and weird as it is, I do I still want to see him keep stepping up. I do I am curious, maybe in a rooster like way, how far this act can go Not far. in competitive boxing because he's very easy to hit. You saw Stavern uncork a couple of giant rights and hit him. That's square. the thing, Stavern was never he's out of the chance. fight. Even though he was getting his ass kicked, he was almost never out of the fight because he was landing right hand bombs. You're right. And but but so does that mean, talk me off this ledge, Brian, that maybe what if Joyce just had this next level chin? Like what if he can take Wilder's best punch 
and just keep cut and get in that wheelhouse and just wear guys because he does seem to have a really good motor for the for for the amount of weight he carries around for his size. He does do he does things that other boxers don't do, and I'm not talking about kiss another <laughs> opponent on the mouth. I'm talking about throw a ton of punches as slow as they come. It doesn't matter if he's there putting that big body on you. It could cause some trouble to guys who are less active and not uh. used to fighting. Come on, are you ready for Kaunatsky, Joyce? Well, okay, okay. Sloppy, if you can, if, if Joyce's ceiling is to be on the Kaunatsky level, yes, and we'll see some entertaining slop. And I know you like it extra sloppy, but. No, I gotta move this show. We can't sit here and talk about this guy any longer. Although, you know, there's a name we haven't mentioned yet on the show. There's a lot of names. Richard Dwyer. Remember that guy? Oh. Um, that's the reason why he did that whole video about why Joe Hanks was a good hedge bet against Joe Joyce. Uh, speaking of Dwyer, people at this point, 36 minutes into the show might be like, what's going on here? Um, sometimes when you, when you do a drug too much, Rafe, and then you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you wake up one morning and you're like, maybe I need to change. Maybe it's time for us as a people to start making some changes. I might be Dwyer out at the moment. He's a legend. That's... Richard Dwyer is a boxing legend. But this show has had a lot of Dwyer on on the timeline. All I got to say about that man is he is the oh. S-T. Wow. Was it, it was interesting that your sound cut out just as you tried to give Damn. him that praise. Rafe, to close on the fights we missed two weeks ago in DAZN and Tijuana, brother – Humberto Soto at 38 with the dad bod and the balding head put on a sloppy classic. All right, classic's a bad word, but a fun-ass old guy sloppy fight with Brandon Bam Bam Rios. And by the way, shout out to Todd Grisham and Sergio Mora on the call. You got ahead of the game when you said that old Facebook watch team of Todd Grisham and AC Slitter might be like the best or second best duo in the game, and they're just different. I think that Todd now working with with Sergio Mora, this is like seriously. Na- na- name me a better duo in in boxing announcing than Chris Al Jerry. Name me a better duo than these two guys. Okay, maybe Showtime is still the best broadcast team. That's arguable. You can read Kevin Ioli's story and 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 feel for yourself who you think are the best teams. Which one is the broadcast team of the decade, though, Brian? Wow. That's what I'm here for. Wow. But I will say this: Grisham and Mora should be the zone's full time team. They're great. They're they're young and energetic. They're smart. They're hilarious. They called a good fight here, and this fight was sloppy-ass fun because somehow Humberto Soto, who's fought 79 times or whatever, 158 times, still has speed, and he used all these furious combinations in the final 30 seconds of each round to light up Bam Bam Rios, Rafe, who is washed. This was a washed fight, but this was hella fun TV. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yes, I enjoy it. You know I effing love it, Brian. Are you kidding? Uh I, this is this is appropriate matchmaking. Fun. It was a little. I think I, I was a little disappointed in, in myself that I didn't see it coming because we saw Soto put it on John Molina in similar fashion yes. in Vegas and not right? get it was the on decision. One of those right? undercards. It was something like, why are we watching this? And like, oh wait, we're watching this because it's good. Soto is still crafty. He still he never really he never dropped off of that mid high level he's at yeah and though he carries oh well. shapeshifter am i with you are you, are you with, with me? me you're with me 
Are you with me, Brian? With, All right. He's got a little bit of that shapeshifter thing going on that you love from Anthony Mundine. We've seen him now uh, all the way up to junior middleweight here, which was this fight. Uh, he, you know, 147, 140. I don't know if he could still make that, but he's just fun and crafty. And you put him in against a guy who, who's not on that level. And he can still outpoint a guy, and he's tough. Good. That was fun stuff. Go Soto. Look, I loved it. Eric Morales, I loved it. It was done. Did you like that? I loved it. Gracias. Gracias. Gracias to those two Mexican, you know, Mexican Americans. Like, like that was fantastic. That was fun. Thank you, Dazone. Make more fights exactly like that. All right, Rafe. Um, gotta get to the latest news, but before we do, let's hear from our friends and sponsors. We'll be back. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! And we're back, Rafe. All right, let's run through some latest headlines here. Uh, Max Unboxing, Max Kellerman's ESPN show, has had a few episodes in the can now. Your thoughts? Let's get a review. Man, I, I, I like it. First of all, I, I don't know if I can, t- I don't believe I can take credit for this. However, however, our guy, fellow boxing podcaster, boxing esquire, Kurt Emhoff, when he tweeted something about Max's new show, this was before it de- debuted, I was like, they, I re- tweeted back, you can check. There is evidence. We got receipts here. I tweeted back they should call it Max on Boxing, like his old public access show. Cause we are, the New York crowd, we used to love watching that on public access. And full channel disclosure. Channel 16. Full disclosure, you attended the same uh, performing arts high school as Max Kellerman, so this is going to be a full-on positive arts review. High school. It is, a, it is a, it is a elite public high school that you need to test into. What Hunter. was it called? Fame? What was it called? No, no, no. That's a different, that's LaGuardia, man. It's a different school. What was your school? Um, what was your school? Ours is Hunter, Hunter College High School. Okay, thank you, thank you. Keep uh, going. Anyway, yeah, so I, I'm in the tank a little bit for Max for all those reasons. We're from the same neighborhood in the city. I, I like, I, I seen, I used to play ball with, with, with people we know each, we know it's, it's, we, we tight like that. We're not really tight, but we're tight like that. Um, and it's pretty fun. It's, uh, there's, I think the, the problem that it runs into is just that, in this day and age, it's very hard to have a weekly boxing show and figure out who is the audience for that. Because the real hardcores, we're on here every day following every headline, joking about every new stupid thing that happens in the sport. And we're, we get all of the close, deep inside information that we need on a much faster pace. It's like the old weekly news magazine issue. What the heck does Newsweek offer in this day and age? Not a whole lot. So when, by the time Max Unboxing rolls around on Friday, it's, it's hard for them to offer something new. The interviews have been the Teofimo Lopez interview was nice. It got, it drew him out, got him talking, kind of, you know, showing off that attitude a little bit. But outside of some of those things, I don't know if it's something that I feel like I need as a hardcore where I'm listening to 16 boxing podcasts a week. I'm not learning anything from a 20 minute TV show. It's great for the sport. I, I, I hope it catches on and sells fights. You know, of course they're going to try and get Tyson Fury on that now, do all that. At the same time, it would have been nice if they had let AJ and yes. Terrell Miller on those shows. What I've heard, by doing? the way, he will be back. There was a little bit of a scandal there. ESPN said no. It was almost as if, okay, now is ESPN going to be only promoting their own? I'll give him credit. AJ will come back on before his fight. 
And I'll give Max a lot of credit that he's having guests outside of the top-ranked ESPN bubble. That's what you need because you can't have another Jim Lampley's The Fight Game. Expertly produced, decent show, but it was all an infomercial for HBO. That That is important, and we'll see how it works. I think if they can get Tyson Fury on there a few times, have some fun with him, make, draw out the, the crazy side. Uh, yeah, are you are losing. Are you with me? I'm losing you again. Are I'm going to uh, – okay, you're back. I'm going to jump in. I like that he um he's taking a viewer or tweets. Like even Caleb Truex had a tweet on there. Can I use your own your old song, Rumble, Young Man Rumble, as a ring walk? And I like that Max fielded that question and said yes to it. So there's some elements I like to it. What's with that weird end segment where it's all about the NBA? I don't get it. That one really confused me. I, I, I was like, what happened here? Are we, is this a segue or something into, into sports center? And then eventually he brought it back around to boxing. But I was like, why are we showing NBA highlights? It's because boxing for the win, Brian, uh, every week. Uh. Max is going to show you how boxing trumped something else. I don't hey, know Max, if I'm here's, a, here's an idea. Max, 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 how about you dump that segment and have Load Watch of the Week, right? You can bring us in. You can bring us in and to deliver the damn load. Senior load correspondent. I could I could get down with that. Wow, wow. Hey, Rafe, uh, Hunter College High School uh, notable alumni. Max Kellerman, class of 91. Young MC, class of 85. What, what year were you? Uh, class of 2000, the year of the apocalypse cow. Oh, is that some inside Hunter uh, elite quasi Ivy League joke? Every stupid, every graduating class own like class mascot, and it's always some kind of dumb pun. I think the year before us was the Codfather. Uh, right. Ninety eight was the Chimp Daddy, and we were the Apocalypse Cow because the year two thousand Y two K. John Daniels, youngest Texas, great uh, Texas Rangers GM, youngest ever MLB Bro, GM. You're class underselling of all kinds of Hunter greats. We had the one and only Lin Manuel Miranda, the, the the writer of of Hamilton and In the Heights. I mean, huge star these days. We have well, a little. If you want some ignomin, ignomin, ignominious. Stop being so uh, smart. Uh, Give alumni. me somebody I would know. We have the one and only Martin Shkreli, Not, uh, never heard who went sorry. on to. You can't hear me. I can hear you. I just never heard of these people. I need someone a little bit more trashy oh for me to be Martin like, Scurley, young the, MC, the, the evil, I know him. The evil, he's not, I don't know if he's actually evil, but he, he has an evil reputation as a finance guy who was jacking up the price of insulin, jacking up the price of, of a certain, oh man, some, some pretty, he would buy pharmaceutical companies and then raise the price on the drugs. He, he, and then was, he's, no, he's had no, some bad looks. There's the low point of our podcast. Uh, hey, former sports center anchor Brett Haber, class of 87. All right. I guess you got a few. Um, Naugata, I'm from Naugatuck High School in Naugatuck, Connecticut, Rafe. We had, um, former Yankees World Series hero Spec Shea. So take that. Former uh, NFL Hall of Famer Dick Tucky from the twenties. Baywatch Night Star Michael Bergen. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm trumping Hunter College High right now. The guy who did the costumes for the Wizard of Oz, Adrian, they call him. Well, I think, I think I trumped you right now. I am. Elena Kagan on the Supreme Court. How about her? All right. All right. That, okay. You're back. You're back with that one, Rafe. You're, you're definitely back with that one. All right. Let's roll on out of here. Also in the news this week, Rafe, uh, where are we? Uh, Twitter debate, Twitter debates, hot fire Twitter debates. So here's the deal. Thomas Hauser wears a cape, boxing historian. He came out with a story on the sporting news in which he declared the fighter of the decade for each decade in boxing history. And even though we're early in 2019, he's, he's already, he put out the candidates who could be for this decade and all the Harry Greb fans on Twitter, all the, uh, all the, uh, you know, the, the insiders came out with hate. They were like, how could you put out candidates and not have the great chocolatito even mentioned into that story? 
Suddenly you got Lee Wiley putting out his boxer. I think he had Harry Greb every decade as his boxer of the decade. Uh, do you care about this, Rafe? And if, and whether you do or not, who is this decade's uh, boxer of the decade of the 2010s? I, Brian, I could not care less in the world about this. This is the dumbest. Deb- why are we even, what, 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 what like, why does each decade matter other than it's a round number? It's, it's, it's crazy if you're a fighter who peaked at the end of one decade and, and poorly and didn't do great. You know, if you're, it depends on when your career had its best, uh, had its, had its best years and when those fall in within individual decades. It's a crazy idea to try and apply. And, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't, I don't really care to stand up for Chocolatito um, because I, I just don't care. I I don't know. Did you get fired up about any of this? Like, like I, this stuff. Okay, I'm a nerd. This stuff I I, I do get interested in. I did like the sort of uh, uh, attacks of, of the sort of the uh, hardcores in there. Uh, yeah, you got to have Chocolatito in that discussion. I thought it was interesting that um universally across the board because suddenly everybody's sharing their boxer of the decades on Twitter over every decade. But universally, people seem to give. Pacquiao the 2000s and you know what after further review I think they're right I think they're they're right on yeah well he didn't he didn't retire during the decade and and in the years that Floyd was retired he was doing some many was putting in serious work but I think this decade the 2010s I think it has to go to Floyd some people are arguing Canelo some people are arguing uh who else we got uh, who, who cares who else we got how is it not Floyd in the 2010s Rafe I it's hard to come up. I mean, because he, he wasn't in his absolute prime, I guess. I know, answer, but, but he, he had that resurgence with Showtime where he's beating Canelo, Cotto. He's a Pacquiao. I mean, like really like, and he's this, you know, setting records on the business side. I, I, I think yeah, it, I this think falls it, into all of the old fighter of the year gray areas, right? Because are we talking about the fighter who meant the most to the sport? Who, made the most money, who who was the face of boxing, then you got to look at Floyd or Canelo. Uh, and, pro- and honestly, Floyd should win in that case. Uh, but it doesn't always it doesn't always play. Sometimes people want to say who ha- some people want to throw the chocolate, roll that chocolatito hipster catnip out there and, and everyone pounce on it and sniff real hard. Wow. Wow. OK. All right. Uh, hey, also in the news, uh, Jaime Munguia, the WBO junior middleweight title holder, has a fight lined up April 13th in the zone from Monterey, Mexico, and it's Australia's Dennis Hogan. Yes. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, who the hell is Dennis Hogan? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to talk you into this a little bit because I was down, but I heard from our own Australian correspondent yes. by way of Canada, Alex McClintock. Shout out to Alex. And he put me on to one nice thing. This guy, Dennis Hogan. He he comes from the camp of the one and only Glenn Rushton. No. He, is a, he is a stable mate of Jeff Horn, all right? He knows some yeah, right, Jeffrey. So does he does he is he a rhythm method fighter? He 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 does fight with the the broken rhythm pressure method and wow. we know how that works in real life. Wow, wow. Um let's bring in uh, uh Keith Thurman to get his uh thoughts about this. Where is he? Is he on the soundboard anymore? Wow, yeah. Jeff Horn. Who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. I don't, I got so. I got so many negative things to say about Jeff Horn. So that's going to be in the zone. Uh, decent, I don't know, whatever. No, the fight sucks. Well, and why I'm are you putting on April you, 13th? You're going to be up against 
giant UFC card, whatever. Here's the thing. Here's the thing moving forward, okay? For DAZN, for anybody. If you don't have a giant fight on a Saturday night that can compete that night against whatever, let's say, like Showtime or Fox is doing or what UFC is doing, how about we stop putting it on Saturday night? Because like Munguia versus somebody in a fun fight, I'd, I, I'd watch that on a Friday. I'd watch that on a Thursday. I'd watch that on a Sunday. Guess what? I'm not watching it Saturday night when it's up against the damn UFC or college football or whatever the bigger boxing match of the night is. As boxing, can we collectively get together? And we're starting to do this. I like that ESPN's putting cards. So, so Lomachenko's that weekend. But they're putting him on Friday night, April 12th, not Saturday night up against the UFC. Now, it's probably more because ESPN broadcasts both and they don't want to they don't have the room that night. But still, I like that there's been some Sunday night cards lately on both ESPN and FS1. Let's keep this trend moving. Yeah, it's interesting that of all places, DAZN is the one platform that has not experimented really with this yet when they seem in in my eyes to be almost ideally situated. They're not they don't care about the, with the TV audience. They don't need to, to compete with that. They. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are you still there? Are you still there? I, are you with me? Brian? I'm with you now. You're the goat. Come on. Goat. Yes, keep it going. Thank you, Al. Yeah, you, you, Mr. Mr. C. Al Heyman is the goat. You gotta talk uh, to Mr. Cancer. You gotta talk to Mr. Cancer. All right. Also in the news, your boy. Hello, Grandpa. Asik Dog Bay is gonna run that crap back. Hello, Grandpa. How are you doing? Your son, the Royal Storm. I'm coming to put up a show. He's coming to put on a show May 11th on uh, on some form of ESPN or the Plus. And this is now a damn good night of boxing. The co-main event, Isaac Dogbay against Carlos Navarrete 2. And the main event that night, Miguel Burchell in a rematch with Francisco Vargas. Hot fire, hot sex. But we're going to bang, Rafe. We're going to bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 bang. You want another? Bang. Bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. They're just jacking it from everywhere. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang. All right, all right, enough banging. Uh, good, good night of fights, but I hope your boy Isaac Dogbay can, can, uh, figure something out with that long armed Navarrete. Dude, that is a risky, risky rematch to jump right into after being pretty soundly outclassed and beaten badly. Uh, you gotta take your hat off to Isaac, uh, Dogbay for that, but, oof, I, I, you, why didn't, shouldn't some manager jump in here and, and maybe say, let's build you back up a little bit first? Dogbay is daring to be great and he's only so young. It's like, you hope he didn't lose at least a portion of his soul that night. He took a piece of his soul. I mean, like a, like a piece, I, I know he didn't take his howl soul away, but you hope he didn't lose like a, a piece of his soul that night, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, Rafe, we gotta get into, uh, we gotta get into the, the horny exclusive here with Eddie Hearn. We gotta sit down with Eddie Hearn. Talked about a lot of stuff here. Fired up to play this. Fired up to talk about it. Suck my nuts. <laughs> you ain't doing it, so be quiet. No, 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 Eddie. We, we got good stuff coming at you. Uh, here it is. Eddie Hearn. Enjoy. Great Eddie Hearn sitting next to me. Maybe the most hated man in boxing. Maybe the best dressed man in boxing. A lot going for both. you these days. You take but, but I would just like to say I am about five inches taller than you. That so is, I don't that know what's happening. Look at this. Look at this. Yeah. So. Uh, May 4th, of course, Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs, middleweight unification, in the zone, Las Vegas, biggest fight of the year. Mm. 
hey, you got to respect Canelo. Big because time. he's getting enough millions to fight who he wants. Yeah. He's going after the most dangerous middleweight available. He is. And I think you have to thank Canelo. You have to thank Danny Jacobs. You have to thank us. You have to thank the zone because they pushed this fight hard. You know, this is the kind of fights that they needed. You know, it's all very well saying we're going to eradicate pay-per-view, but you have to deliver the pay-per-view fights, and that's what they have done here. This is a, a standard big pay-per-view night on any network, and now there is no more pay-per-view for this fight. So big for DAZN, big for Canelo. You know, I've been around Canelo. Obviously, we did the Rocky Fielding fight. I believe he likes challenges. You know, I, I believe that... He's achieved enough in the sport that he needs challenges to get him motivated. And I think this fight will get him motivated because they know, Canelo knows, Eddie Reynoso knows, Oscar knows, Bernard knows. This is a real fight. They know how good Danny Jacobs is. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a fascinating matchup. It really is. And Danny Jacobs, the miracle man, one of the better stories we've seen in boxing coming back from cancer. I've heard you even say, maybe God wants him to win this. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the, the most religious guy in the world, but I remember watching the Triple G fight and thinking, you know, this is an incredible story. You know, this is a guy who was told he may not walk again. Um, he certainly will never fight again. And now he's on the verge of beating, at the time, you know, probably the best middleweight in the world. And when they were reading that scorecast, I was thinking, he's, he's got this. Like, this is just, this story is too good for him not to get this. And obviously he didn't get it. He could have easily got it. And I thought, wow, you know, um, I didn't expect that. And then I started working with him after that. And I just, we've been sort of working to this moment. And he's always said to me, get me the Canelo fight. I promise you I will beat him. And, you know, when you look back at that Triple G fight, maybe this was the moment, you know, that makes this, I think, probably the most inspiring boxing story of all time. I mean, this is up there with Vinnie Paz and, you know, these kind of Tyson guys. Tyson Fury. Yeah, but this is the difference with this is, this is to be number one. Like, those stories are great, you know, like Paz coming back. But these, this is to beat the very, very best. It's not just to come back and fight again or challenge for a world title or win a world title because he's done that. This is to beat the very best and to come back from, from what he suffered from. I always feel like he's a very humble man. And I don't think he even particularly loves talking about what he's done and what he's come back from. But from an outsider's point of view... Just look at the photos. I mean, that guy was in hospital Incredible. on crutches. He was 10 stone. You know, he was he, he was a broken man physically. And, and it's incredible what he's doing. And he's made some savvy business moves, of course, to get yeah. to this point right here. Hey, if they made a movie about his life, who's going to so play hard. the great Eddie Herman? you get Hugh well, Grant, Mr. I, I, Bean? Who we got here? Mr. Bean, he's, I think me. You know, oh, I can do wow. this Hollywood stuff, you know. I'm, I'm sure you can pull it off. Well, you? I'm ready. I'm you know. ready for that. I gotta get, I gotta check out your, your tailor. Yeah, I know. Get on that, get on that level. Um, I like pro wrestling. Maybe it's a character flaw. Can I create a pro wrestling angle here yeah. where you promoting Daniel Jacobs and Oscar De La Hoya of Golden Boy promoting Canelo that the winner of this has control of the I zone? Know, Is I this know. true? Oh, no. I, I heard your interview with him where he was talking about maybe a charity bet. He came out of the room. He said 250, 250,000. I was like, what, pesos or oh, what? I mean, oh. you know. But I said, if we're going to do that, then I think we should have an independent judge. Not, not the, uh. Not adolescent bird? No, no, no. We want someone like Steve Farhood, someone like that, to independently score the fight. But, um, there's good rivalry between us and Golden Boy. We, we, we're all pulling the same direction, but we want to make this work and we want to create great fights. And this is an opportunity of two promotional companies coming together for the good of a platform, which is quite unique these days. 
it's tough to get big powers to work together here. We, you know, it's great to see. Uh, speaking of the judging, look, Canelo had two great fights mm. with Triple G, but two debatable scoring fights. Same question we ask anybody facing Canelo or even Oscar in his prime. A couple of those close yep. scorecards. What do you do? You're the promoter of Daniel Jacobs. You've seen that guy get the benefit of the mm. doubt, meaning Canelo, in every big fight. How concerned are you for your man, Jacobs? Well, you're certainly up against it in that respect. And um, the support for Canelo in Vegas on Stinker de Mayo is going to be quite incredible. Danny's got to win this fight convincingly. You know, he hasn't got to just nick the fight. But I will say one thing. Sometimes, you know, that is a question that I've been asked a hundred times today. It's in everybody's mind, right? It's in the commission's mind. This fight will be talked about, the scoring publicly. This happened last time. So sometimes that helps you get an even playing field. You hope. I mean, you know? we just saw it Fury might even help, I can't it might even help you. Wilder. It might even help you to, to, you know, even if it's a close fight, you might not, you might get the nod. But I think in Danny's mind, he knows he has to win this fight convincingly. He's not looking to go in there and just, you know, trying to win seven rounds. He's trying to try and win every round. And I believe he has the ability to, to do it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he won this fight convincingly. I wouldn't. And, uh, and, and that's as highly as I rate Canelo Alvarez. But you saw the size difference between them mm. at the press conference earlier today. This is going to be a great one. But if you get Eddie Hearn in a chair, Come on, you gotta talk heavyweight boxing. Because it's insane. And you respect power moves. You took AJ, the great Anthony Joshua, off Showtime. You went to the zone. Mm-hmm. Both of you touching M's like crazy right now. <laughs> Do you respect what Tyson Fury did, co-promoting with ESPN and Top Rank, now throwing the idea of a Wilder rematch into, into, hey, you know, craziness? Yeah, I mean, look, every fighter, it's a tough one because boxing's a unique sport, right? These guys are putting their life on the line every time they go into a ring. It's not a normal sport. They're going into a ring with 10-ounce gloves on and having a fight for your entertainment. So you have to respect their business decisions sometimes, their monetary decisions. What Tyson Fury done was terrible for the fans, but probably quite good for Tyson Fury. So I get that. Um, you don't want to be anybody's B-side, including your B-side yeah, against yeah, well AJ. That's, but that's the problem. That's why, you know, this, this is a guy now who arguably won the fight against uh, Tyson Fury. He's... Not a champion, okay? He is a voluntary defense for Anthony Joshua and for Deontay Wilder. Well, he's but, got the lineal title here. Yeah, that I, still but, means something. But hold on. When you have a lineal title, you can't have a lineal title when you failed a drugs test and been stripped of your championship. Oh, wow. That's, that's high, okay? high heat right here. But that's, it's not heat. It's facts. So, like, at what point do, does this lineal thing exist to? So, ultimately, what I'm saying is the, the real heavyweight champion right now, well, there's two of them. One has four belts. His name is Anthony Joshua. And the other one is Deontay Wilder. Well, Wilder. we only recognize three of those four. Don't be pushing okay. no IBO British okay. narratives okay. on us okay. over here. Uh, when, when we've got the IBO, it definitely counts. <laughs> when someone else... If Deontay had it, he'd only have one belt. And by the way, the Lydial title is better than the WBC Mayan Championship. Yeah, what the Mayan. Their, whatever yeah, they're the peddling new one, these the days. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not... I respect Tyson Fury. He's a great fighter. But he gave up his position. You know, he didn't... I say, well, he was never beaten in a ring. These guys can't do nothing about that. You know, when when he chose his path, he paid the consequences. He's a great fighter. He may be number two heavyweight in the world after our guy. But what I got from the ESPN news, I got excited. Because I started thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. Al Heyman's a guy who loves to make power moves. Make the Joshua fight. Make the well, undisputed the fight. Question. But that's the biggest fight in boxing. That is the biggest fight in boxing. And now you've got Deontay Wilder comes out and says... I do not have a contract of any network, a.k.a. 
send your offers in ASAP. So now I'm in a situation where it's like, well, look, Joshua's fighting big baby Miller. It looks like uh, Wilder may, may fight to zone. Uh, sorry, Brazil, or maybe on to zone. Brazil, make the fight. Like, it's that, it's... Well, we know Bob Barham of Top Rank offered a, a deal with Wilder. Five, yeah. We A lot of people assume now with Tyson Fury out of the picture in the spring, they're saying, hey, Eddie and DeZone, get, let's get... But do yeah. you believe in your heart of hearts, knowing Al Heyman's commitment to Showtime and Fox, no, that's that, the problem. that he would move, that he would make a move like no, that? No, that's the problem. Because the ESPN offer to Deontay Wilder could have been financially out of this world. The DeZone offer to, to, to Wilder could be... But if Heyman and Shelley Finkel won't let him go, one... That's the job of a bad advisor, in my opinion. Because what are you? Are you an advisor or you are you a promoter? Because Al Heyman needs to think about if he lets Deontay Wilder go to another platform, he will think about his position with Fox and, and Showtime. That's not the job of an advisor. The job of an advisor is create the best opportunities and make the correct business decisions and career decisions for your fighter. Well, number one, as Richard Schaefer told you, don't tinkle with the finkel. And number two, the, 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 the question we got to throw back at Eddie Hearn is this. For Joshua to fight Wilder, does it have to happen on DAZN? Because Anthony Joshua sometimes is a DAZN fighter, but mm -hmm. doesn't have to be, correct? Well, since the DAZN's launch, he's been a DAZN fighter. He boxed on, he boxed Povetkin on DAZN, launched the platform. Now he fights Miller on DAZN on June 1st. He's on a fight-by-fight -fight deal with DAZN. They also have matching rights on him. But DAZN are not moronic. DAZN are not egotistical. If Anthony Joshua has to take that fight on another platform, it's something we will look at. DAZN will pay more money than any platform. So why would we want it anywhere else? The only person that's probably politically tied up right now is Tyson Fury. I believe that AJ and Wilder have the ability to get creative. We've seen it before. Mayweather-Pacquiao got made. HBO Showtime. In fact, Joshua and Klitschko was on HBO and Showtime as well. So there is history. I don't know how the dynamics work. I don't know how a Fox pay-per-view and a DAZN thing I don't work. know. But all I'm saying is... DAZN kill pay-per-view? Yeah, but all I'm saying is, let's talk about it. All right, I'm, I'm down with that. You know. Hey, people, do you like being the bad guy, though? You like uh, it. I, I don't mind. I mean, I get booed quite a lot in the UK. I'd rather get cheered. My mum doesn't like it. you get booed like in the UK? You, you put on fun fights? Because huh? I charge them the money for the seats, sometimes pay-per-view, uh, probably don't, don't give them every fight they want. In England, we have a saying. They want you to do well, but not too well. All right, quick lightning round to close here. I can talk okay. to you all day. Uh, number one, you were in Tijuana for that Brandon yeah, Rios to card. Yeah. What's the, the post-fight party like there? What, what the heck no, is that I, night I, like? Unfortunately, we went straight back through the border. Oh, it took about three that. hours, but it was amazing. I bet and you, you and Kelly Sutherland could do damage. No, in the no, same no. Room. He's too crazy for me. He's much too crazy for me. But on a serious note, the passion oh, that yeah. I saw from the Mexican fans, honestly, like it was like they were British, but didn't even need the alcohol. You know, it was like, it's in their blood. And I really, really enjoyed it. All right, better body shot that somebody got up from. Darren Barker against Daniel oh, yeah, Gill yeah. or your dad when you hit him to the body when you were 17 oh, in the basement yeah. when he tried to make you a man? Probably my dad, yeah, getting up. But he only got up once and then he stayed down. But but for me, the Darren Barker-Gill fight was, was one of the all-time greats. All right, final question. The great Carl Froch of 80K fame, right? That's yeah. a, that's a fabled yeah, tale. Yeah, yeah. Even though I don't understand how George Groves had a Hello Kitty tattoo on his yeah. left bicep. Another story for another day. But to close here, how mad is he at AJ? Real inside, deep inside. How mad is he at AJ for breaking his attendance records? He's, he's the kind of guy, he's so competitive that that will eat him up forever. But I will on, end on one thing. The greatest fight that potentially never happened was Carl Froch against Gennady Golovkin. That would have been 
one of the great, great I'm still fights. here for a Kessler trilogy. Yeah, Kessler know, almost yeah, came yeah. back a couple of years ago. I know, ago. I know. Can so, you get Frotch up in the bullpen? Frotch has had a little bit of work done to his nose, oh, so, gosh, you know, I can't see a return happening now. anyway. He's very pretty. He's got best. women in his life. It's the great Eddie Hearn, May 4th, in the zone. Best fight of the year. Canelo Alvarez, Danny Jacobs. Do not miss it. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Wow. Wow, Rafe. I got a lot to talk about off of that interview. That's a, that was 12 minutes of, for our concerns, the things we like to talk about on this show. That, there's a lot going on there, Rafe. I want to say this. We have, this show is a problem. We have our own language and it's based off of these random sound drops we find across the universe. I didn't plan to say. The adolescent bird. That was a professional interview. That's a sit-down, on-camera interview that's with Eddie Hearn that's going to run in a lot of different places on CBS Sports. And I said adolescent bird, and I didn't plan to. It's sort of like I'm going to just drop like – I'm going to start speaking like Dwyer on camera one of these times because this is this is in my system, this show. I can't get it out, Rafe. It's in my blood. That's. I think that's good. I think the the fans will re- recognize it. They'll come along with you. They say, "You look. You did cheap heat with Peter Rosenberg. The when he did when he started saying adjacent about everything. You guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh oh, uh oh. Don't leave me. Don't leave me here, Rafe. This is one. This is. All right. Multiple apologies for all these sound issues. Look, I can't. Look, I got. I got. Branches hanging on my wires with snow on them outside. Deal with it. Sorry, Rafe. We got to roll on here. Uh, where were we, Rafe? Are you with me still? I'm talking about. I'm with you, Brian. We're trying to talk about Eddie Hearn. Yes. The one and only. You're an adolescent bird. You dropped it by accident. That's okay. We all forgive you. We still love you, brother. Um, but did Barry Hearn have any business getting up from that body wow. shot? You got to tell me. He said he got up. He said Barry got up once, but then 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 stayed down. That we that's a little bit of a revelation. We added a little bit of extra sauce to that story. That's reporting, yes. That's what we call reporting in the biz. All right. What were your thoughts on this comment? When to, now look, Eddie Hearn's a used car salesman. He's kind of considered a liar in the game. All the promoters are liars, just so you know. They all support their own cause and lie. But here's what he said. Interesting. Talking about Tyson Fury. Quote, when you failed the drug test and was stripped of your championship, at what point does this lineal thing expire? End quote. I called him out in the moment. Some high heat. He's like, no, it's high heat. It's facts. Well, is it? So the real deal here, from what we know, is that Tyson Fury gave up those three titles to avoid the rematch with Klitschko because he wasn't mentally sound. We know what happened next. But Rafe, before Tyson came back, there was that lingering story of did he actually fail a drug test, right? There were some inconsistencies in some drug tests. And so Eddie is outright saying here that Fury only gave up the championships because he failed a test for roids, and that's why he went away. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, Brian, you're missing a crucial, crucial detail here, which is the excuse that Tyson Fury came up with, which is just a cloud. It's up there. It may be the best ever. You talk about tainted meat. They blamed it on having eaten the meat of uncastrated wild boar. <laughs> the boar nuts is too strong. Too much testosterone in them boar balls. Wow. Talk wow. about boar's meat, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I'm not. I mean, did, did this fail test actually exist? We both know it did exist. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, seriously. You, you can say you don't know what I'm talking about, but, but I'm seriously know, saying it, and you know it did exist. Hey, Rafe. Um, are we so drunk on Tyson Fury's? fun he's so fun for this division and then we got all kinds of caught up in his comeback story for for the right reasons are we missing two things are we too quick to forgive him for all those years of talking 
negatively about everybody, saying kind of unforgivable, politically incorrect things about every category of people and race. And are we too easy to act like this whole drug thing may not have happened, where Eddie Hearns just straight up being like, hey, guys, remember, this did happen. Do we love what Fury brings so much that we're willing to just overlook? Um, I th- I don't I think that one a lot of American fans just don't even know the especially the some of the more controversial the more inappropriate comments they don't know the whole history there. I also uh I am personally willing to chalk some of those transgressions up to a cultural way uh, thing with with Fury uh and, and this sort of you know very real feeling in his community that they are the ultimate outsiders even though if it's something that we look at from an american point perspective and they're like what the hell are you talking about man well we don't know what that we we, we didn't grow up in caravans and stuff god i don't know um so I, i'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass there and it seems like he's at least may uh, absorb the, the the fact that he can no longer conduct himself like that in interviews in public as a public Mm-hmm. Keep coming. Keep coming. I'm with you. I'm so with you. If he stays on the right path. Great for that. All right. I'm willing to give him the, like the, the benefit of the doubt from here on out. Um, as for the, the tainted meat, the boar balls shoot. I mean, who in boxing at this point really gets worked up about, about PED usage. I'm sorry. You just kind of expect everyone's using when they can and we'll see what happens in the ring. I don't know. I, it, to me, it doesn't matter. The real problem with Tyson Fury is going to be, can he stay on the straight and narrow for some period of time under this ESPN deal? And will ESPN be able to make good fights for him? Well, let's talk about uh what you're really saying right now. There was an interview out there at some red carpet with Michelle Joy Phelps with Fury where some people were like, look, it's obvious he was drunk and or something, white light and something. Um, I don't know. But that interview wasn't promising. We know he's in great shape. He's even even better shape than the Wilder fight. I want him more than anything for the health of the heavyweight division and for him personally to stay on the, the, the straight and narrow path, whether it's mental health and drugs. Stay away. Um, did, were you concerned at all by this interview? I wasn't concerned. Look, I think it's too difficult to read into one interview like that. Uh, I don't think it's fair when we do it to Oscar. I don't think it's fair to do it to Tyson Fury. However, it's just just the the idea. It's a big bet for ESPN and Top Rank to make. Now, I'm sure that not all of whatever money is owed Tyson Fury is guaranteed him. Boxing contracts almost never work that way. It's too risky of a sport in so many ways. And he is one of the biggest risks you can take, right? Because the only thing you can really count on is that on his best night, he might be the very best. He might be a historic heavyweight, <laughs> as one man once said. But – you rarely see his best night. We may have seen the last of his best against Deontay Wilder. We hope that's not the case, but he could, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's mental health issues, whether it's just being of having a huge frame that puts on weight easily, you never really know. It could be motivation. If, can, can he get up and look good that's my in fear. fights against Oscar Rivas? Yes. We're, we're unfortunately going to find out. Look, when when he took that Wilder fight, what we thought was too early, we were like, oh, my God, he's only fought two two, two schlubs. Is he really? There was part of me, and you said it on the show, right? Like, 
maybe that's what it's going to take to bring the best out of him, the fear of Wilder's power. And then that night, it was. Really fun fight. Fury should have won it. He was at his best. You're right. Is he going to be at his best? Here's the, what people forget. Before that Klitschko fight, the main reason we never thought that performance against Klitschko was possible was because he would get fat and fight down to the level of his competition. There were a bunch of fights along that stretch. He got, he got skinny for the first Chisora fight and outboxed him. But there was a lot of fights in between where he was coming in very fat and he wasn't trying. Even that Cunningham fight didn't seem like he was all that focused in. He got dropped. I think he needs the pressure. There doesn't seem to be a lot of pressure when you have all this guaranteed money or not guaranteed, but you have potential of big sums against an Oscar Rivas. So I'm a little bit worried here, Rafe. ESPN did go all in. But we want to see these fights. Now I fear that we won't see it. So you heard Eddie Hearn in this interview talking about Deontay Wilder and trying to talk us into the idea that he thinks uh, Al Heyman would allow Deontay Wilder to go to the zone for a big fight and blah, blah, blah. What what Eddie wasn't coming clean on, and after this interview, Mike Coppinger suddenly tweets out, the top copywriter, that Eddie had already made an offer to to uh Deontay Wilder because in reaction probably to the one Bob Arum reportedly did to Wilder. Arams was like, come join us for a five-fight deal, and you'll get Tyson Fury in, like, your second fight. And Eddie's was, come with us, and you don't even need to sign with us in a co-promoter role. We'll just use you on our platform. Eddie Hearn drawing people to this platform. Rafe, it's, even with Wilder saying he's a TV free agent, even with Wilder being so hungry and emotional, I just don't see... Him going to outside of the of the Heyman Fox Showtime bubble, going to another network, unless it was some kind of dream scenario two fight deal where it's like first fight on the zone, second fight on Showtime pay per view. I just don't see it. Well, there's a I, I I caught a couple interesting things in your interview with Eddie there, and the first was the way how quick he was in in many different ways, many different ways to dismiss Tyson Fury. First time you brought up Tyson Fury talking about great storylines, comeback stories in boxing. He no-sold it. Yeah, he, he didn't did. even bring it up. And then when you ask a direct question about Fury, then he gives you the whole, what is a, we don't believe in lineal championships answer <laughs> out of the book of Bob Arum. And so he's, and, and and then he pivots the heavyweight discussion. He says, look, the real fight is Wilder. It's AJ versus Wilder. It's Anthony Josh and Deontay Wild. Well, <laughs> I'm on a roll here. Um, I think He's, he sees a, a possibility here of stealing the, the, the thunder that Tyson Fury stole from AJ when he came in and crashed the party, when he was the third man. Now that Fury has his own obligations, he's, I think Hearn is thinking, hell, well, there's two things I can do here. I can get the Wilder fight. I can get the, the public, the boxing public back on my side, make Fury into the bad guy and, and maybe if Fury goes off the wheels and off the rails in some way and, and, or just loses his form by the time AJ has to worry about fighting him, he may not be as dangerous an opponent for AJ. So I think that's all lining up. That's what Eddie Hearn wants in this situation. On the other side, the weird promotional infighting is also fascinating. You see both Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum making these plays to try and force PBC and Al Heyman into a to into a really really difficult choice where what are they going to do are they going to do the the best thing for Deontay Wilder which in this case seems like it has to be make a deal that gets him one of these big fights yeah. the man's in his early 30s yeah. why is he going to fight Dominic Brazil for uh, in, uh, for money that it doesn't seem like 
these networks have in the deals that they've signed. And then it, uh, are they going to underpay him? Will Wilder do that? Will other fighters accept that and say, wow, you're not doing what's best for your fighters? And they're, 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 the way that Al Heyman over the years has been an advisor always, right? He's basically done that to skirt the Ali Act. Well, that's worked out great for him. Finally, Hearn and Aram see this leverage to use that against him, saying, look, you don't, you're not, you're not signed up to any long-term deals, right, Deontay? Come do this with us. It's good money. Why not? Wow. Wow. The great Eddie Hearns. Yes. Um, so what Eddie Hearns said, well, you're right that he wasn't willing to give Fury anything. Like he wasn't willing to, to bend in any scenario. I'm not very keen on sucking Tyson Fury's nuts. We know that. Uh, he said something that could be true. Now here's the thing on Eddie Hearns. All right. I said it. he's a liar slash car salesman because that's what promoters are. He's the most convincing. When you interview him and look into his eyes, his beautiful blue eyes, I'm saying this about this man, Eddie Hearn, he makes you want to believe. He makes you want to take out your wallet and say, here it is. Yes. What are you selling me? I want it. I need it. Get me a waistcoat. I want to hang out with you. I want to hang out with the great Eddie Hearn. He says DAZN will pay more money to Wilder than any platform. In the end, Rafe, is this a reality from how we know the boxing business landscape that if you are Wilder, and if you are emotional and frustrated, and yes, you're loyal to Eddie Hearn and Lou DiBella and Shelly Finkel, but you're saying to yourself, I am going to be 35 soon. I got to fight. I can't fight Boobs Brazil and Kaunachki. I can't be getting beat by a man with titties. I got to I gotta fight like a, a legit. Is it true that this Ukrainian, Ukrainian oligarch with his own and Disney with Bob Arum can ultimately pay you way more money? To make this fight happen than anything on the wilder side with Fox or Showtime or Al Heyman can actually do. A- answer me that question, Rafe. Is it true for Wilder? Is that a true fact that's going to be hard to get around? We don't know exactly. It seems at least the offers that have been reported on, the numbers that are public, it seems like the most money lies outside of one of the PBC options. Mm. But mm. you never know. There's always some way to find more money, uh, whether it's asking the networks for something. I know it doesn't always not that. And that's not an easy ask. People suggested that Al Heyman may still have some Waddell and Reed uh, venture capital <laughs> money laying around that he can go back into that treasure chest to sweeten the pot for Deontay Wilder. Hey, the pressure is on now. They got to figure something out. Right? It is. You know. No doubt. Uh, he, Eddie Hearn also said, quote, in England, they have a statement. They want you to do well, but not too well, end quote. I had, like, forgotten how much Eddie Hearn is hated in, in Britain. I was a little surprised when he said that, but then when he laid out the points uh, in the facts, uh, they hate him in Britain. You okay? Well, I, I, that British charm, that little bit of... Uh, what uh, us Americans perceive as, oh, the gift of gab. He's funny. He talks way, the way he, he's smooth, the way he delivers these lies. He's, he's feeding us the poison pill, but he's sugarcoating it so nice. It's good. <laughs> that whole, I mean, that liquid crack he's given us, I don't think that works on his own people, right? I mean, they hear that stuff all the time. They're just like, this is just a wanker. Yeah. Them. He's just to a us, guy. He's, he's the charming, dashing, Tall Brit. I love how he pointed out at the top of the interview, Brian, I'm about seven inches taller than you, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I also asked him about that night in Tijuana after Humberto Soto Brandon Rios trying to get some good party stories. And his ultimate revelation, Rafe, is, quote, 
No, no, no. Callie's too crazy for me. He's much too crazy for me. Rafe, this confirms what we knew all along. There ain't no party like a Callie party because a Callie party uh is apparently intense with eyes wide shut masks and a lot of crazy stuff like tequila white lightning. Rafe, do you think that there's a origin story here that at some point Eddie Hearn did party with Callie Sauerland? And one and realize like I, I, I I'm gonna lose my whole uh, empire if I hang out with this guy too much. I'm I'm sure they've gone they've been at a few tables with bottle service at the same time in their lives. Yeah, they're they're around the same age, both in the same business, grew up in the sport. It it makes sense that they've done that. They may have partied a little bit. And good for her knowing that he likes to he likes to stick to the yachts and the you know doing the doing the Drake dance uh with his shirt off. That's about as wild as he gets these days, so he says. Brian It was but it was I, almost like he was saying I'm treated and he ain't He's like Callie I can't mess with Callie. Like, no, no. That may be the case. I mean we he he does appear legendary in his interviews. Brian w- I, Near the completion of this interview, or when you're finishing up with Eddie Hearn, so to speak, oh, come do on. you? I mean, this is. A, I mean, yeah. Okay, keep going. Uh, were you tempted at all to get up and and say, "Would you like to shake my hand?" Would, would you? Would you like? Would you like? Would you? Would you like to shake my hand? I'd love to shake your hand. You'd love to. And just pull him across the chair. That give would him been... a little push and a poke. We can all have a little push and pull. We can, we can, that'd be that'd be very interesting. Um, he did. Confirm my theory on Carl Frotch. That secretly deep inside, he's mad at AJ for for making 80K a thing that used to be a thing. That's not the boxing record. Shout out to Chavez and Hogan in Mexico, by the way, fought in front of like 3 million people. But the, the real one for Alex Godinez that matters, 80K. And that led, of course, to me saying, come on, make a comeback here, Frotch. And his quote was, quote, Frotch has had a little bit of work done to his nose. He's very pretty. Basically saying he's not coming back, Rafe. I think we knew that. However, I did like him saying Golovkin Frotch was the greatest fight we never got to see. Yeah, yeah. What would have happened there in 2014, 15, prime, not old yet, Golovkin? Moving up to 68 against old Frotch, the Cobra with the power. Hey, that look, I, I, I got to favor Golovkin just because of the, the pedigree, the, 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 what he's proven in the ring. And, and just how, but damn, Carl Frotch, he is a hard guy to count out. We've seen, we, you saw him come back in so many of those fights, whether it was down early against Frotch, uh, the, the last minute knockout against Jermaine Taylor, the, he, he that, that guy, uh, it yeah. would have, Hearn might be onto something. That would have been fun. There's a guy here from Sheffield that can actually serve you your ass, knock you spark out, <laughs> and you don't like the, you don't like it. You- yeah, he hits, he hits Gary Power. You have a big dump in your pants. He made a lot of people have that in their pants. Um, all right, let's throw to some other sound here, Rafe. We got big, big time names. Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs, Oscar De La Hoya, back to back to back, left, right, good night, bang, coming at you right now from the Canelo Jacobs satellite press tour in New York City last week. Enjoy. The biggest star in boxing, Canelo Alvarez, taking over the Big Apple today to get fired up ahead of your May 4th showdown with Daniel Jacobs in Las Vegas on DAZN and Canelo. Look, this is a 50-50 fight. This is a huevos fight. People were a little nervous. The critics, they said, with all this DAZN money coming in, will Canelo fight the best? 
What does this 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 fight say to those critics? No, la verdad que los críticos siempre va a haber, ¿no? Y obviamente siempre van a criticar o van a buscar el, el lado más flaco para para criticar. Siempre he dicho que el perdedor busca el más mínimo error en el en el ganador. Así que eh, lo que piensen los críticos pues realmente no me interesa, ¿no? Sabemos lo que tenemos enfrente, sabemos el rival que está enfrente, la pelea que es y estamos muy contentos y orgullosos de de poder seguir haciendo historia y brindarle a la a la gente grandes peleas. No, look, critics, there's always going to be critics, and they're always going to be criticizing something. Look, I've always said a loser is always going to find something, the thinnest thing about a winner. That's always going to continue. The most important thing is we know what we have to do. We have a tremendous opponent in front of us, tremendous talent. We have to work really hard and give the fans a great fight and come out with the victory. Now, Canelo, we saw you face off against Danny Jacobs ahead of this middleweight showdown, a very big middleweight. There's no question about that. Some people, like I said, are calling this a 50-50 fight. From your opinion, considering the speed, the power from Jacobs, is this the toughest and most dangerous fight of your career? Eh, no, he enfrentado a, a, a peleadores muy duros y muy difíciles. Sin duda es uno de los más eh, difíciles eh, que voy a enfrentar. Sabemos la capacidad que tiene, sabe manejarse muy bien el cuadrilátero, las dos guardias, pega. Entonces, eh, va a ser una pelea complicada, de las más complicadas de mi carrera, sin duda. Pero estamos listos para esto y estos los retos son los retos que me gustan. No, look, I've I've fought every style. I've fought many tough fights in the past. He is going to be a difficult one. It's going to be tough because of his ability. He knows how to change guard. He is strong. But look, that's what I'm about. That's 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 who I am. I love challenges. I prepare myself for challenges, and that's what we're going to continue doing. Two of your last three fights you put on amazing fight of the year contenders against Gennady Golovkin, one of the best fighters in the sport, a big puncher. How different, though, is Jacobs as a challenge compared to Golovkin? No, Jacobs is a peleador más completo. Es un peleador que, que sabe boxear, que sabe cambiarse de guardia, que es fuerte, eh, es más inteligente a la hora de atacar, de defenderse. Entonces, es un peleador, creo que, difícil. Hay peleas duras y peleas difíciles. Esta es una pelea difícil y a la misma vez dura, así que obviamente eh, son diferentes estilos y hay que pelear de diferente manera también. Yes, no, there's there's a big difference there. I mean, look, Jacobs is 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 a boxer. He changes guard. He he can punch. He adapts. So it's very different. He's more intelligent, you know. But that's what you have to prepare for. Whatever they bring, those changes, you have to be prepared to change. Speaking of your old friend Triple G, he's been making us wait for a while. Where is he going to go? The latest reports say probably DAZN. Do you care? I know you're looking at Jacobs, but do you care if Gennady Golovkin comes to your side of the street for a third fight? No, realmente no me no me no me preocupa. No me preocupa si si está aquí con DAZN. Creo que sería lo mejor también para él. Si está con DAZN o cualquier otro lado, creo que si se tiene que hacer la tercera pelea se va a hacer, no donde quiera que esté. Pero realmente no me preocupa. Yo estoy preocupado por lo que estoy haciendo, lo que tengo enfrente. Eso es lo más importante. No, it doesn't worry me. It doesn't worry me what he decides or what he wants. Obviously, if the third fight has to happen, it's going to happen, it will happen. Obviously, him being over here, I think would be good for him at, here in the zone. But right now, what I'm worried about is what I have in front of me, May 4th, and getting through my fight. All right, you fought at 168 pounds against Rocky Fielding. You looked fantastic. I heard some rumors that you're even willing to go to 175 one day. You want to answer that question? Is that true? 
eh, existe la posibilidad, ¿por qué no? Me gustan los retos grandes y existe la posibilidad y está la puerta abierta para poder ir a la 175 y, y, y ganar otro título ahí. Eh, me agrada la idea. The possibility exists. Look, the door's open there. And I like the thought of it, you know? So there is a possibility. All right, I want to close on this. We know what Danny Jacobs can do. You know what Danny Jacobs can do. He's predicting a knockout. Is this going to be a classic mm -hmm. old-time fight? Is this going to be a war? I don't know. Hagler Hearns, what's this thing going to look like on May 4th? No, creo que va a ser una gran pelea, sin duda. Eh, creo que la mentalidad que tiene y que trae de noquear y de venir a, a ganar me agrada porque así se hacen las grandes peleas y de la misma manera, la misma mentalidad tengo yo. Voy a ganar, voy a, a, a tratar de noquear también y si no, pues a ganar de la, de la mejor manera, pero que, que sea una gran pelea y obviamente brindarle a México otra, otra, y a mis seguidores de cualquier lado, otra gran, otra gran triunfo. No, I like that. I like his mentality. I like his attitude. Because at the end of the day, he's coming with that attitude. I'm coming with that attitude. And guess what? That gives the fans a great fight and it could be a historic fight. At the end of the day, whatever he comes and does, the most important thing is to give my fans in Mexico and from all over the world that support me a great fight. Well, I'm fired up. The fans are fired up. Biggest fight of the year in 2019. I don't have to ask you if you're ready. You were born ready, my friend. May 4th, middleweight championship of the world when this guy, Canelo Alvarez, faces Daniel Jacobs in Las Vegas, in the zone. Don't miss it. Canelo, thank you very much. Thank you. In the Big Apple and dressed in championship pinstripes, New York style. Only champions can wear pinstripes in New York. It's Daniel Jacobs, middleweight champion, unification fight. Biggest fight in the sport 2019 is May 4th. In the zone, Las Vegas, Canelo Alvarez. Danny, you've wanted this fight for a long yes, yes. time. How does it feel to be on this level, get to get to here? It's a dream come true. It's, uh, it's an amazing feeling. These last couple of weeks, when I've known I've had the fight, it was exciting. But now here, going through the events, the press conference, being face-to-face, -face, feeling that energy, feeling that spirit, it gets me really excited. I'm looking forward to training. Speaking of energy, earlier today, New York, you stood across from Canelo Alvarez at the end of the press conference. Twitter's blowing up because they go, wow, this size difference. You're one of the bigger middleweights out there. Yeah. The size difference is real. Yeah. What kind of energy, what kind of feels were you getting back from Big Red there? Respected, uh, yeah, trusted, yeah. top pound for pound guy in Canelo Alvarez. Well, for me, every time I do a stare down, I try to look into an opponent's soul, into his heart, to see if, you know, he feels my my energy and and know that I want to come in there and do a lot of damage come fight night. So that's what I try to go in there and impose on him. I went in there and we were eye to eye. He didn't back down. You know, he's a game fighter. He's a tremendous fighter. All the accolades in the world. I'm looking forward to a stellar fight. I loved your confidence from the beginning. I, I think it was a year ago I started playing a sound drop on my podcast and CBS Sports of Danny going, I'll stop Canelo. I'll knock him out. <laughs> the confidence was there from the beginning. Yeah. Outside of giving away your, your tiny details here, what have you seen in this matchup from the start that gave you that confidence? Well, it's just really just knowing what I possess. And I know what I bring to the table. And I also know that styles make fights. So people say, hey, well, you lost to Golovkin on paper, and he actually beat Golovkin. So how could you be Canelo? But true boxing fans know that styles make fights. It's not about uh, who win what or who win well. It's more so about putting the perfect game plan together with the style that you have. And I have a tr tremendous amount of skill along with range, along with size, and along with the mentality and, and, and the IQ. So. 
Canelo, arguably the face of zone, signed a giant contract. He's touching M's, as one Danny Jacobs would say, <laughs> touching a lot of them here. But there's another player you mentioned, the great Triple G, Gennady yeah. Golovkin. We don't know where he's going to end up. The rumors appear to be zone. As a businessman, if you beat Canelo, I mean, you, you, you win his fans, you win his money, you yeah. win that spot. How much are you, would you be looking forward to Triple G entering the mix here? Well, I've always been vocal about doing a rematch with Triple G over the last two years now, so... It's definitely a personal thing for me as far as wanting to uh, really prove to the fans that I was a victor in the fight and that I can do it in a decisive fashion next time around if it was to ever happen. But, you know, I wish him the best of luck in whatever uh, decision he and, and, and road he decides to go down. But for me, I'm worried about this fight, becoming king in the middleweight division, and um, doing my best. Well, we know you had to watch some video, had to watch some Triple G Canelo get up to speed. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's yeah. got a scorecard. Did Canelo win either of those fights or both of them? Where do you, where are you at? Uh, you know, I'm still a firm believer that, to me, he truly lost both fights. I thought the second fight was a lot closer, and he uh, learned a lot more and, and, and implemented what he learned from the last fight, and he adjusted. To me, it still wasn't enough to give him the clear, decisive win, especially the, course, the scorecards that they had it. I mean, I had it a lot closer than what they had it, but for me... Uh, Triple G up two on Canelo. Well, you mentioned scorecards. This is Vegas. This ah, is the big time, the championship right. main event level. I'm one man, but, you know, I thought Trout beat Canelo. I thought Laura beat Canelo. I thought Golovkin beat Canelo twice. I love me some Canelo. Don't get that wrong. <laughs> what do you do outside of I'm going to knock him out? How do you fight that battle of this guy gets the benefit of the doubt? Well, I mean, you guys got to understand, man. I understand the uh, opportunity that I have is a great one. I also understand the impact that Canelo has on the boxing world. But comes a point in time where you just have to ignore all of those things and just hope that the judges are held accountable and that they do the right besides both fighters and that I can come out with a, a – a clear, decisive win, but rightfully so. No controversy whatsoever. I hate controversy in boxing. We all hate it, but it, it exists. So for me, my job is to go in there and make sure that the fans not only ultimately happy with the fight, but they're happy with the decision. All right, May 4th here. You're the miracle man. You've got such an incredible story Thank of you. inspiring people by overcoming cancer, being uh, a man who goes back to the community and, and touches people. Yeah. What, what can people learn if you do... You're, if you achieve your dream of beating Canelo, becoming the unified middleweight champion, becoming one of the biggest stars in the sport, what does that mean for the message you're putting out there? It simply means that miracles can happen. And if you believe in your own miracles that you can achieve that and more, whatever your life path has for you. My examples of beating cancer, paralysis, coming back into a, a sport where it's a very dangerous sport to begin with, to become a two-time champion and now have the biggest fight at my reach? I mean, this is so inspirational. I'm inspired by my own story, and it drives me every day because knowing when I walk outside the house, people look up to me, it, it keeps me on a straight and narrow, you know, and it makes me put that extra mile in. It makes me put that extra work in and to study more so that I can be the best possible fighter in person and, and, and influencer and, and, and just inspiration all around to whoever is watching who is a fan of me and support me great stuff right there you're champion in and out of the ring brooklyn born and bred finally here yeah this turns into a war this turns into an all-time <laughs> great fight you ready for the, you ready to go into the deep waters oh, with big red man. i'm ready to go into the deep waters uh i just felt like this is just meant to be this opportunity that i have i'm so ready for it i'm so going to be tip-top shape 
I want this fight to be the fight that they talk about for years to come. So you can imagine the mentality I have with going in there and wanting to put Canelo down. May 4th, in the zone, middleweight championship of the world. Don't miss in Las Vegas. Danny Jacobs, best of luck to you, my Thank friend. You. Thank you. The golden boy, the icon, the Hall of Famer, Oscar De La Hoya, <laughs> sitting next to me. We're getting fired up just a couple months out. The biggest fight of the year in 2019 in boxing. In the zone, May 4th, Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs, middleweight unification, there's no need to try to oversell this. This sells right. itself. This is a big deal. 50-50 fireworks. Yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong. I get no. a little De La Hoya Corte feels right, in terms right. of the idea of I a 50-50 like fight here. Well, like how, what are you feeling about this? I thing? like that. You know, it's um, it's a 50-50 fight. I, I think Daniel Jacobs, what he brings to the table is not it's not his brute strength, his 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 uh his abilities to uh, throw combinations or his footwork or what he brings to the table that is new to Canelo is his heart. You know, Jacobs having survived cancer, um, having told, have been told that he's never going to walk again. Uh, he's never going to fight again. You know, the fact that he won two world titles after that, after that fight, I mean, it, 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 it tells you everything. And I think, I think Canelo is gonna have to, he's gonna have, to, he's gonna hit him with four or five punch combinations and, and, and still see Jacobs right in front of him. And Canelo's gonna be like, wow, what do I have to do to knock this guy out? So that, that's what Canelo has to overcome. It's, it's more mental than physical. I think Canelo has to, has to, you know, uh, Stick to his guns, stick to his game plan, not get discouraged, uh, when Jacobs is still there in front of you standing and, and, uh, and, and, and be in great shape because Canelo, uh, Jacobs is going to bring everything to the table. No question about it. That's, that's the real appeal in this one. You can expect fireworks, but you certainly have a dog in this fight. Promoter, golden boy, Canelo, the, the big star, the big deal. So I, Canelo's got a lot of guaranteed money. He could have fought anybody he wanted. Right. Kudos to him. Kudos to you. You're yeah. making the fight that matters. But when you're counseling him, when it's time to put the pen on the paper, you're saying, you know, Canelo, this is a really tough-ass fight here. I mean, this right. is a dangerous fight. How much for you are you thinking, this could be the one where he takes an L? I mean, this could be that 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 real danger one. Well, I mean, look, the, the good thing is that he has a promoter that took risks himself, you know. I, I was all about fighting the best. And, and um, you know, when you fight the best, you you never lose a fight. And, uh, you know, you might have a, a, a blemish on your record, but you don't lose a fight as long as you fight the, the proper way. And that's fighting, you know, going out with your shield. I think in this case, Canelo Alvarez understands that. Um, he owns it. Therefore, he fights the very best. I mean, look, yes, he did go up against uh, Rocky Fielding at 168. He crowned himself world champion in a different weight class. Uh, but then he came back down. Faces Jacobs, and uh, and 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 the road to history continues. You know, uh, uh, Canelo wants to fight the very best. Wants to keep on proving to everyone that uh, that one day he's gonna be in that in that Hall of Fame. One day he's gonna be considered the pound for pound champion of the world. And uh, uh, and and let me tell you, he's he's on the right track. He's he's doing everything correctly. He's not afraid of anybody. He's uh, willing to take risks because he knows that when you take risks, look comes rewards, and, and his reward is being crowned the best fighter on the planet. 
Look, he's uh, already, you know, top two or three, four at worst pound for pound guys in the world. Biggest star in the sport with respect to Anthony Joshua. He's the face of the zone, certainly in this American launch. How much extra pressure that was on him being the face of that, signing that, that record setting contract. And the idea with that is you can't really lose. Or can you? Can you lose? I mean, how much extra pressure is on him from the business side entering a fight this big? Well, look, I mean, uh, from the business side of it, um, he's he's uh, he's uh, he knows what he has to do, um, and we're all confident that he's gonna do what he has to do. Uh, Canelo's a professional; he's always in great shape. He always he takes his he takes this craft very very serious. When he's not fighting, he's training. When he's when he's off on vacation, he's doing something to keep in shape. Um, you know, this guy doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. Um, you know, he he wants to be the real true face of boxing and he is and uh look like you said he could have we could have picked anybody out there somebody who's not as a big threat as as Jacobs is you know and 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 uh and and we picked uh, we picked the toughest guy out there i mean look canelo's the number one middleweight out there right now today i strongly feel that jacobs is number 2 and uh when you can watch number 1 and number 2 inside that same ring um, you know you're going to get fireworks. Speaking of another great middleweight, Gennady Golovkin had two almost all-time great fights. You know, fight of the year contenders with Canelo building a heck of a rivalry there. I know you don't promote him, but the rumors keep building. He's going to make his decision one of these days which network he's going, the hottest free agent. What can you tell us from what you know or hear or your interest in Triple G choosing to zone so that you have even more big money options for Canelo? Well, look, I mean, we we uh, we hold the key to everything. You know, Canelo holds the key to everything. Uh, we have a very, uh, you know, um, we have a very interesting meeting uh, soon uh, that that can put everything together. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see. Uh, we'll see where uh, Golovkin decides to go. But if he wants to fight Canelo the third time, he knows what he has to do. Um, do I want that third fight? Absolutely. Does Canelo want it? No question. No doubt about it. A trilogy on your resume is always a great one. You never had a trilogy on your resume. Never have. We almost had one with, never too with, late. with Shane because you did get screwed in that rematch. It is never too never late. Never too late. <laughs> Speaking of rivalries, you had. I hate. I got to bring up this question, but the Floyd Mayweather Oscar De La Hoya rivalry won't end. Now we're cease and desist against Floyd sliding in the DMs of your fighters, making public offers here. What are we going to do with this? What's going on? With yeah. This? Well, I mean, look, just conduct business the right way. That's all I have to say. I, my lawyers are. Dealing with it, but you don't, you don't call out a fighter when you're a promoter on TMZ or something like that and, and make it public, you know, uh, you, you pick up the phone and you, you call the fighter's promoter and you make the fight happen. So, um, you know, hopefully this goes away and we, uh, we can resolve our issues and move on. All right. You promote Canelo. The great Eddie Hearn promotes Danny Jacobs, a fighter you used to promote. Is there a Eddie Hearn Oscar rivalry in this fight? Is there a little, you know, little <laughs> friendly wager behind the scenes here? How much do you want to get the best of, you know, the two big promoters right now in the zone to have the key of the best middleweight in the world? Well, to to spice things up, I wouldn't mind making a friendly bet with uh, with uh, Eddie Hearn, and all monies go to charity. So. Thank you for the idea. I might uh, bring that up to Eddie. You hear that, Eddie? I know you're listening with the three-piece <laughs> suit on. I know the nice waistcoat there. I know it's going to happen. All right, final question here. May 4th, in the zone, Las Vegas, Canelo, Jacobs. You know, I talked to Canelo earlier. I said, Jacobs says, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to knock. I'm going to stop Canelo. He says, 
we going to see that classic all-time middleweight fight between two prime guys that are not going to back down? I don't want to use words like Hagler Hearns, but how much does this fight have that potential in your it, eyes? It has, it has all the potential to become a, a classic fight, a classic middleweight fight. Uh, Jacobs doesn't stand down, and Canelo won't, will not, you know, crack under pressure. I think both guys have a, a lot of uh, pride in themselves, and I think both guys want to win. Uh, but again, the fact that Daniel Jacobs beat cancer, okay, is, is going to tell you a lot about the fight he's going to bring into the ring. So it's, it's, it's a dangerous fight for Canelo. But obviously, it's a dangerous fight for Jacobs as well. May have to see one of those pull around 12, pull a Oscar against Corte. Oh. Big Wavos getting up there. That's <laughs> how he lived his life. I would love that. May 4th into zone, Jacobs, Canelo, Oscar, thank you so much. Best of luck to you. Thank you. All right, Rafe. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff here. What's your biggest takeaway? We got a lot of stuff there to recap. Biggest takeaway, Brian, there, there, I don't know. Danny, Danny likes when you talk touching M's to him. What do you want me to say? Yeah, there were, there were some moments for our fans there. There were some deep cuts there for our fans. Do you care about Oscar De La Hoya suing Floyd Mayweather for tampering in this whole Rye guy, Ryan Garcia situation where on Twitter and DMs he was like, come, we talk about, come fight Raleigh. I'll give you 200K. I don't care at all. No, what is it? Right. That's part of the business. If the paperwork's there, also, I, I don't know how, how serious were the offers Floyd were just tendering. I didn't, I, yeah, I saw the interview where he said, if you could beat my guy Raleigh, then, then, then whatever you could fight. Yeah. Tank. Is that so really the, tampering? I don't know. No. Oscar. I don't know about that. Um, hey, did you see the face off between these two earlier in that day, Rafe, at the press conference? Dude, yeah. I, we mentioned, I mentioned it in these interviews to all, to everyone. Jacob's considerably bigger than Canelo. Like it's getting hey, me excited Jacobs, about this fight. You're the boy. Yeah, Danny Jacobs, yeah, the boy. Um, Rafe, like, this is what we want. We want people to dare to be great and take on tough challenges. Jacobs is a really tough challenge. A big-ass middleweight. Yes, it's going to have the re rehydration clause with the IBF, but a big-ass middleweight who can switch stances, who's got speed and power. Yes, for as really great as he looked at times, there are other times, like against Suletsky, where he doesn't look maybe like the next pound-for-pound -pound star, maybe just looks good, but he can be great. And this is a tough challenge, and seeing them up against each other, it gave me those early feels like this is going to be a fun-ass fight. Yeah. Uh, but look, we, we know that at this point, Canelo being short for, for middleweight or even super middleweight, it's not something that really concerns me just because he's – He's been that way forever, right? He, we know he's not tall. He's barely taller than Floyd, right? So he is not, it's not a tall guy, but man, he carries that weight well. He, his hand, his hand speed is, it's going to be young. Why wouldn't it be there? But he's just, Canelo has not had a problem competing on that level at his height. So it's something that I don't really worry about. I mean, how tall, I mean, not that, not to compare Jacobs and Chavez Jr., but Chavez Jr. also very tall, towered over Canelo. Canelo can still find you and, and he wants to, and he's going to go after the body anyway. Um, what I think the really interesting thing is going to be Danny's ability to move and make Canelo and test that knee that Canelo walks around with, with the kinesio tape and the weird wow. soft braces on. He, we're going to see if, if that was really just a superficial surgery as was reported or if something more serious was going on because while Triple G uses the ring well, he isn't, he doesn't change directions quickly. He doesn't test the lateral movement, I think, in the same way that Danny Jacobs can be, where he'll be two steps left. 
left, two steps right, you know, back and forth and really make Canelo reset a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's all fair things to say. Um, I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. Do you love that Saul? So look, uh, Canelo's impressive in person. He's a fun, he's a good guy. He, he, he's, he carries the star factor well. He doesn't seem as much of a douche in person as, as sometimes he'll Canelo puts it out there. Are you okay with the fact that he understands English perfectly and doesn't need that translated to him, but then he has to deliver it in Spanish? Rafe, unlike Chavez, unlike Felix Trinidad, who seemed to, out of pride, refuse to speak English in person, I still think the Canelo thing is linked with I was born ready. With his embarrassment of how he sounds trying to say English when Rafe, even though he's arguably the biggest star, certainly in North America pay-per-view wise, arguably worldwide opposite Joshua, don't you feel like in the US he could be a gigantic crossover star if he just went for it and spoke English? Maybe I don't hold it against him. I don't mind. I think I, I'm I, I'm at the point where you know we've watched so much of this. I'm almost coming back around in this other direction where I like it. It's almost like witnessing some sort of you where he's got you know the tra- they all have the translators in their ear so they can all be speaking 15 different languages and know exactly what everyone is saying at the same time it's like who's in who's in his ear no he just understands he can do whatever he chooses I, I don't think look you can't really. You can't really look at Canelo and say, bro, you'd be a much bigger star if this. He's how much he's by a by his count by the the contract that they're reporting. They they like to call him the highest paid athlete in sports. Oh God. So can, can, I, can boxing he, people he needs to be a bigger star. Hey, boxing people. Could you stop every time somebody signs a big deal, whether it's Manny Machado or Bryce Harper to the damn Phillies? Can you stop putting out the, well, that's great, but uh here's what Canelo signed with the zone. Boxing ain't dead. Yeah, Darren Rayfield, can you stop that? No one's saying boxing's dead. This Canelo thing, he's got to fight all these fights to make this money. It's not apples to apples here, okay? Can we stop with this? I also don't care if boxing has one, like, I don't care about comparing sports to each other. I don't care. I don't, I, I love basketball. I hate when basketball fans sit there acting smug about, oh, we're not football. Who cares? Why, if you don't like football, don't watch football. Don't talk about football. Boxing, that same thing. Like, I know we have maybe a little more right to be insecure as fans because our sport does get crapped on. Uh, however, who cares? Like it ain't. It, like, I don't. Canelo I, Alvarez and Bryce Harper are probably never gonna meet each other, or maybe they party. I don't know. Bryce, I know is Mormon. Sorry, Brand. I didn't mean to say that. It's a clown question. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't care, man. Canelo, make that money. He's a huge star. He can speak whatever language he wants. Make that money, playa. You think I care about what the freak that guy that acts that way that behaves that way that I care what he thinks of me? Now, no. At all. I don't. Ah. Boy, it's frustrating. Hey, episode two of Teddy's podcast is out. Look, it's a lot of Teddy, okay? It's like a lot of Teddy. But I'm enjoying it. Anyway, to, to close on these interviews, Rafe, are you okay with the fact, and look, I asked Danny Jacobs about this. I asked Eddie Hearn about this. Are you okay with that? Everyone just accepts the this bad judging that's followed Canelo. I mean, it's not wrong to say Canelo's got the benefit of the doubt. In every fight he was ever in, even against Mayweather when he was shut out, CJ Ross gave him six rounds. That woman judge who had it even, please. Please! Uh, why, are you okay that Jacobs and Hearn are like, 
They just accept it like we all do as fans and journalists. Like, yep, that's the way boxing is. Vegas star is going to get the benefit of the doubt. It's not like they're going, look, boxing, you're corrupt. We need to make a change. They're just like, yep, this is something I got to deal with. You okay with that? What are you gonna do? What are you, what are they supposed to do? They need they they still want the fight. They st- and they still gotta believe in themselves. Danny has to believe that he's gonna put on a good enough performance to 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 demonstrably win that fight. I know he says, "Oh, I'll stop Canelo." I don't know about that, but he gotta win. He gotta win clearly, otherwise he shouldn't expect much. All right, I got two words for you: fish scales. Catch me on the D, on the low, Tyson Fury and Oscar and Cali. Wow. Hey, weekend preview, do you care? We got to speed through this, Rafe, all right? Are you ready? You ready? Do you ready to care? I'm ready. I'm not going to do a lot of caring. Friday night, London, England, ESPN Plus. Interesting. Daniel Dubois versus Razvan Kojano, 10 rounds heavyweights. Do you care? Kojano, the former Boxino champ, the former King Kong victim. Uh, yes, I care because I won't have to watch it for long, hopefully. All right, co-main event, Anthony Yard, the rising British light heavyweight, 10 rounds, Travis Reeves, do you care? Yeah, call me when he gets into a real fight. All right, all right, all right. Uh, also Friday, in the zone from Milan, Italy, Daniel Scardinia versus Henry Kekalininian, 12 rounds, super, why, is this a thing? Is this part of this Eddie Hearn to zone Italy deal? This is not, is this, what? I don't care. Is it, is, Frances- is Francesco Patera involved? Oh, What's happening? Uh, Friday, Mexico City on Telemundo. Saul Baby Juarez versus Mario Andrade. Rematch, 10 rounds, junior flyweights. Do you care? No, I don't care. Don't yeah, care. we're going deep down the food chain here. Uh, no, no, you don't care. Sonny Boyaro is back Friday in the Philippines, but I know you probably yeah. don't care too oh, much. Oh, I, I care about Sonny Boyaro. Don't you dare. All right, all right. Uh, let's find a fight you might actually care about this weekend, and it's Saturday night. Carson, California. Don't call it StubHub. Call it Dignity Sports Health Park, Rafe. The home of box, the home of war, the war grounds, boxing's cathedral of death, whatever you want to call it. Fox! Fox, Rafe, Sean Porter, your Dennis Ugas, 12 rounds for Porter's WBC welterweight title. Rafe, it's interesting. The initial build to this fight, people were like, this is the best of all the Fox offerings. This is a damn good ass fight. I can't wait. Ugas is a sleeper. And then I feel like in the last two weeks, every single person that said that is now like, eh, Porter's going to beat him easy. Where are you at in this? I still think it's an interesting fight. I yeah, mean, me Ugas, we've seen, he can box. He knows what he's doing in there. He he could outbox and beat Sean Porter. I think it's a live matchup. I think when it comes down to it. Yeah, when it comes down to it. You're, you're breaking up, but keep it coming. When it comes down to it, Rafe, what do you got for me? Are you with me? Please. Are you with me, Rafe? Please. Please. Are, are you, are you, are you with me, Rafe? Are you with me? No. Are you here with me or not? Look I'm at with me. you, Brian. Okay, okay. No, not anymore. Keep it going. No, no, you're back. You're back. We hear you. Rafe, we hear you. Tell him I can hear him. Can you hear me? You're saying that there's a chance. Rafe, there's a chance you can hear me. These are Walter Waits, Rafe. Walter Waits. You back. You back. Rafe, this is the worst episode we've ever done. Where are you? I see you, but I can't hear uh- you. I'm all right, back, there right. you go. All right, keep it going here, Rafe. All right, Porter Ugas. Porter Ugas. Should I start over? No, keep it going. Pretend, pretend people heard it all. Rafe, it's an interesting fight. Ugas does things that other Walter Waits don't do. 
uppercuts from the outside. It's weird sort of looping punches. But, I mean, who's he beaten? Yeah, he has not beaten anyone very interesting. And he has those early losses on his, on his, on his record. I think what, what will be interesting is, does he, is he's not, never been that active in his fights, right? Is he going to be active enough to, uh, to quote, to paraphrase that great Nazim Richardson quote about you let Sean Porter on your yard, you better get the <laughs> shotgun out and start slowing him down. You let him on your porch, you're in deep trouble because once he gets on your porch, he's going to be in your ass, so to speak. Wow. Wow. I like that. I do like that though, Rafe. I was in your ass. Yes, you were. Yes. Um, so here's the deal. It's just weird that people were like, this is a great fight. This is a trap fight. Oh, this guy sucks. It's going to be an interesting fight, but Sean Porter does two things really well. He can brawl you and be dirty, or he can box you when he needs to, when a guy is slow afoot, like against Danny Garcia. I think he showed us against Danny Garcia. He can raise it to another level that we, that sometimes we question, is he there? We know he's like sub elite, but I think against Danny Garcia, yes, it was a matchup that favored him. I think he, he did reinstill the idea that yes, he is the elite, elite Sean Porter. I think he's improved from back in the day against Kell Brook. So Rafe, I think this is a fight he can and should win. I think Ugas will make him work, but I think we're headed to a decision here. Sean Porter on the PBC face-to-face that I hosted did predict a knockout, but I think Ugas is tough. He's going to make things difficult. He can turn up the juice when he needs to. I think we go 12 hard rounds. Give me a 16-12 for Porter. You okay with that? I that That's basically how I see it. I think that Ugas is – I've never seen him – active enough don't believe he is powerful enough with with one shot to catch porter coming in with something that's gonna discourage porter from getting it yeah 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 so he's gonna be all over porter i think is gonna gonna do his pressure thing he's gonna be all over him and no i don't see it ending in a knockout i think it could be even a wider decision maybe not not by one or two rounds but i could see porter dominating this fight too um if ugas doesn't do enough to 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 stop him from from just doing his bum rush act you know i thought triple g was getting in that ass yeah i'm with you on that oh here's the key if porter wins this and this happens all right, you ready for this? This says Floyd wants to fight Manny, but not in the spring. So he's going to wait till next year or wait till later in the year. So we do Thurman Pacquiao on Showtime pay-per-view, May, June-ish. We do if Spence beats Garcia, Spence, Danny Garcia. If Danny Garcia beats Granados, we do that later in the year. What do we do with Porter? I I, I want – the the I love your daddy fight to happen. I want Spence Porter if, if, uh, after if, if Spence beats Mikey Garcia because I love your daddy. But if he's the That's odd man enough. out in that scenario, is there another welterweight that matters that would move you that we want to see him? Another in? welterweight? Yes. I, I don't. Oh, man, there's got to be some. This is this is such a stacked division. Um, Are we headed toward like Lamont Peterson, Sean Porter? Is that an okay? Stay busy if Peterson beats Sergey Lipinets and Porter beats Ugas. Are you okay with that? I'm not great with that. But I don't know, man. Um, okay. Mikey Garcia coming off the loss if he wants to stay at 147 yeah. and if he loses. 147, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, co-main event, Abel Ramos, Francisco Santana, 10 rounds, welterweights. Santana's the guy that Lamont Peterson hit to the body like 4,000 times on that, uh, on the build toward, uh, <laughs> it was the Garcia Salco card. Yeah, forget. No, you don't care. Uh, I do care about this fight though. Eight rounds, heavyweights. Effie Ajagba versus Amir Mansour. Jogba's the guy that the other dude, Curtis Harper, like ran out of the ring against and, and refused to fight. And we all know about former prison star Amir Mansour who, who brings it. 
He's an honest fighter. Uh, um, interesting. Crossroads. Unfortunately. Crossroads fight here, Ray. Fight him all. Uh, you go. Yeah, Brian. Brian, you remember when Mansoor fought last year against Filip Hergovic in Croatia yes. or wherever they held that fight? It was ugly, man. I think. I think Mansoor might just be cashing out at this point yes, in time. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Just sad because I loved him, man. I, that, that, his, that, his, that Steve Cunningham fight was just magical in so many ways. Thank you, Steve Smoker, for that long count for keep letting it go on. Thank but you. But Mansoor, uh, I, I think he's, I think he probably should have finished. And, and this is a day, da- you don't really want to be in against guys as dangerous as a, a Jagba if you are at that level of your career. So I, I'm a little bit worried about this one. I'm with you. All right. We have very, very little time left. Saturday, Verona, New York in the zone. Main event, Dimitri Bivol, Joe Smith Jr. for Bivol's WBA lightweight title, light heavyweight title. Interesting. Who do you like? You care a little, right? Are you frozen? All right. Rafe's frozen. When we Rafe's frozen, we got to get out of here. Bivol should win this fight. If he does, we'll send Joe Smith back to being the plasterer of the local union. Look, the guy can punch. It'll be a fun fight. But Rafe, you're back. I see you back. Co-main event, Maurice Hooker. We got some Hooker headlines. Defending his WBO junior welterweight title 12 rounds against Mikkel Lespierre. The, I assume he's French. It's a French name. I'm not going to look it up. Do I care? Not really, Rafe. I don't care that much about Maurice Hooker. Do you? Can you hear me? Are you back? I apologize for this, folks, but it is what it is. Also on this card, Rafe, Callum Johnson against Shawnee Monahan, 10 rounds light heavyweights. That should be extra sloppy. And, and Sergey Kuzman, 10 rounds heavyweights against Joey DeWenchko, Joey DeWico, Joey, the, the fat guy from Philly. Yes, I care a little bit. Anyway, we got to get out of here. I don't know if Rafe's ever going to reconnect. Enjoy the slop this weekend. Special thanks again to our guests this week. Eddie Hearn, Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs, Oscar De La Hoya. Rafe, are you back? Are you back? Uh, yeah, I'm back. All right. I ran through it. I know you don't care about Bivol, Joe Smith that much. Maurice Hooker you don't no. care about, right? I like Maurice Hooker. I don't know about this Les Pierre guy, but I want yeah, to see that fight. Joey DeWedge goes on that undercard too. So get the hell out of here. With get that out of here. Uh, all right, buy Rafe's books, please. Basketball and in, in love, a, a true a father and son story, right? Yeah, Mar- by Mark Kriegel. <laughs> uh, read read Rafe's fine edited work on Eater.com. Yeah, if you feel like it. Oh wow, wow! All right, Rafe. Um, it was great talking to you, Rafe. We, we gave him a, <laughs> we gave the people a jam packed episode. A lot of audio issues. It's on me, Rafe, not you. It's on me. Okay, people. They dealt with it. They they fought through it, but they needed to hear their books. Guys, I I love I love your Campbell. Next week, let's get it on. Ah <laughs> yes, and we are out. Yeah. No. No.